Yeah, so usually uh, I have a lot of bragging rights when it comes to uh, four Olympia titles, but I think we have a larger uh, accolade person in the house here with four world's strongest man, Brian Shaw, in the house. I'm glad Welcome. to be here, man. This is exciting. The first ever guest. Yeah, and I, 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 I don't know that you would put world's strongest man titles above Olympia titles. I feel like it's it's larger. <laughs> I don't it's, I don't I don't know about that worldwide maybe I mean dude it's it's you got I mean you've been publicized a lot more on national television I mean you the world's strongest man is you know it's one of those things I watched since a kid I mean I knew world's strongest man before I knew bodybuilding and you did know, you I really think, is that I true? think you know I talk about this all the time and we discuss this is you know listen I know like Bill Kazmaier was like someone that I looked at but I feel you kind of revolutionized World's Strongest Man. I want to talk about that, of course, because I think it's really, really exploded. I mean, I remember sitting at the Arnold Classic and, you know, Mark, my first Arnold Classic, Mark Henry won the yep. first Hummer alongside with 2002? me. Yeah, 2002. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, sitting backstage and seeing these guys come out and, like, being towering over us. And I was 273 at that show. Yeah. And then Mark Henry got up there, and you know he was he was a beast, right? I'll tell you what, he crushed that crushed that contest. It was fun fun for me to watch, and and you know I were you there then or two thousand two? No, I was still still in college. Yeah, you weren't even year. probably following it then, right? Yeah, well, I a little bit. Like to be fair, at that point, I was I had followed World's Strongest Man as a kid. You know, of course, watching it on TV yeah. and all that. But like at that point, it was you in the magazines, and like you know more bodybuilding if you will was more prominent because you'd go in the store and of course all the magazines yeah. are there and you know it's, it's something where i think any younger guy is going to the gym and and at that point you're seeing the magazines because you didn't have social media you didn't yes. have any of that so it's like i'm gonna pick up this magazine and look at it you know and uh i would say like you guys looked larger than life you know i mean like look at the covers behind you and it's just it was kind of, it's surreal, right? Because it's like, I've been a fan of both my, really my whole life. Like growing up as like, I was a fan of strength. I was a fan of training. I was a fan of size, like all of, all of it. Like I've, you know, just kind of that world. I was always fascinated by that world. And I feel like there's so much that's similar in a lot of ways and different in a lot of ways. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, we, we're always talking about, <clears throat> I always, I always tell I tell you you're like Jay, and I tell Jay you're like Brian <laughs> because you guys are very similar with your approach. Like I've seen you, like Jay hasn't you know competed in many years, but I've been to your gym and I've seen how you train and I see the regimen, and that's how he was. But then outside of that, on the business side, I see how you take time with fans. I see how he does this. This you guys operate, you know, pretty much the same, but you guys had no idea you guys were that similar. But I see it because I do stuff with both of you guys around the world see but in some ways i i do i agree with you 100 percent. but i got to learn from yeah. jay in that area because and we can get into this a little bit more like dude that, the early floor, days. that fucking floors me a little bit man what's that that you actually followed my stuff and i know there's a story behind this but we're gonna get to that but it's like yeah, I sit here, you know, and when we talked about having you on today and it was the opportunity, you know, you're coming to Vegas and and I said, man, you know, all the questions I want to ask him and I, it's still kind of surreal to me that someone of your caliber now that's that's had such a, 
amazing career and still continuing, right? Uh, where I'm stepped away now that, uh, you know, something that I did elevated what you did or you learned something. So to me, it's still big it's time. Man. I was, I was watching, I was watching the DVDs and <laughs> yeah. you know, you're sitting here eating and grinding and like, it was something that I could appreciate. I could appreciate the small details where some people maybe look at it and don't maybe get that involved mm-hmm. in, in what's actually going on behind the scenes and the mindset and what's making you tick at that point. And like, that's what was fascinating to me. And I feel like some of those, like the training DVDs you put out were, were really cool. It's something I could throw in and it would motivate, motivate me in different ways. Not just like, oh, wow, you look great or whatever. It's like, what's the discipline and the grind to make that happen and become a reality? That's, that's what fascinated me. I, I've always kind of liked that, like nuts and bolts of what is making this individual go down this path and what's when it gets hard why are you getting up and and doing the the training and the everything that it takes the food the just just the like i said the nuts and bolts of all of it is it's fascinating to me you know yeah that was really unique about like ronnie coleman and myself like i always tell everyone like social media people uh, we, we have a huge you know audience now and they don't know anything we have our old school people that realized that there was you know existence in this before social media but like we showcase those on the mat on the magazines and obviously through the dvds like we got into your house and we showed how the eating is and, and listen everything you do is around the food right i mean i know coming here it's like all about the food you have to make sure you're eating and it's like big time even yeah. prior to like filming and uh that was the unique thing that Ronnie Cole and myself did that really catapulted us above everyone else was because we shot DVDs every year and we would let people drive with us. We would let people sit in our house with us. We would actually cook our meals and we would sit and eat our meals. And some people might be like, man, how, how can you sit and watch someone eat <laughs> like that? But, you know, people yeah. would study. People would study how we placed the weights on the weight rack. You know, people would study how we loaded the plates and, and how loud the click was when, the, when they banged together. And yeah. that's the smallest things. But, you know, it all goes back to, like, when I first started, you know, I was a pretty athletic guy. Uh, I played football in high school and I was bigger than most kids. I was only 200 when I graduated five foot nine from high school, but I was still bigger than the average person. That's really what, you know, gave me more uh, motivation to get in the gym because people already came to me and said, man, you got the size. And I know with your background, like, you know, I always wondered what the start was for you. Like how big, I know you played college ball, yep, basketball, which always, it f- amazed me. Yeah. It was well. I mean, I was I was always a bigger kid, always. Like what? What? Like at high school? Like you graduated at? What do you think? So I in high school I got up to, uh, I was probably not quite three hundred pounds. Wow. Like you know, but this was, this was before I started training or really got into it at all. So it was not. I mean, I was still athletic because I always did sports and all that. But it was like okay, if I at that point it was kind of like setting a goal of going to college and and I really wanted to get a scholarship and all that. So I knew that I had to get in the weight room and train. And then that's what clicked for me was I could walk in there and train and get results 
and then come back and do it again and get more results. And so it was like an immediate addiction to, I want to work harder because it's making me feel better and I'm seeing what's happening, but also it's going to open the door for me to go play in college, which ultimately it did. But I was always just kind of really dedicated as a kid to different things. I would do things that nowadays kids would probably not understand, you know, so in my high school was a smaller school. And one of the things that I did was um, the freshman basketball team practiced before school. So you had to go in at like five in the morning or five thirty, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, my uncle actually coached that team. But as a seventh grader, I asked to manage the team. But I would get up at five in the morning and go in, you know, and basketball's happening typically middle of winter. So it's dark, it's cold, it's whatever. But as a seventh grader, I would do that. So I'd go essentially go practice with the ninth graders, shower, go to school. And then I would go practice with my team after school uh, at that point. But I would do things like that because I was just very driven and wanted to get better and wanted to practice and all of that. But I was definitely a bigger, just a bigger kid, you know, and then I got into training and then I kind of transformed myself uh, at that point, you know, and then I started running faster and jumping higher and kind of opened that door for me uh, to go play in college. But, you know, it just was, uh, you know, natural gift of size, I guess. When you, is, when is you were in high school, were you like heavily recruited to go play? Do, do you have a bunch of offers? So I, I, because I was at kind of a smaller school. Where was this, by the way? Uh, Colorado. Okay. So I grew up in Fort Lupton was the name of the town. So it was a smaller town, but they, we weren't one of the bigger schools in the state. And so I think a lot of colleges look at like your competition and who you're playing against. And if you're not at one of the big powerhouse schools, you don't play against one of the bigger, you know, you just, the competition you go into us. So, um, you know, I feel like I was, I was, I was not bad, you know, so I got recruited by a few schools, smaller schools, whatever. And so I ended up, uh, because I wanted to go play at a bigger school, I, I decided to go JUCO out of high school so that I could play against that bigger competition and hopefully open the door uh, to play at a bigger school. But it was, uh, you know, I definitely got recruited, but I wouldn't say like it was heavily recruited. It wasn't like I was, you know, touted as you yeah. know anything special other than like, oh, he has a potential to maybe go play in college. It wasn't really anything more than that. So where'd you end up playing? So I played two years at uh, a JUCO in Colorado. Um, and at that point, you kind of start to realize the bigger schools, you know, I, I kind of got to the point where I was getting recruited then out of out of JUCO to go play yeah. for my next two years. And I got, I mean, I got some division ones, like stuff where they were talking to me, interested in me, because I would go play at these bigger camps where, you know, all the top coaches were there, like the big guys were yeah. watching. And so you'd go in and play and you had kind of your, you know, sheet of your, you know, kind of accomplishments and this and that. And so they would recruit guys from there. It's kind of like a, a camp where they're looking at like, you know, guys for the bigger schools too. Um, but uh, I ended up deciding at that point, I was like, okay, look, I can go play D1 because that was my goal. I wanted to do that. And I had, yeah, but did I you want to go to the NBA? Did you have thoughts of, <laughs> I, I definitely did. Like, I mean, you're getting up at five in the morning. <laughs> yes. And I, you're doing like before school, like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. That's dedication. So obviously you had a goal of like, I want to take this. I, I definitely did. I okay. definitely did. And and I think through college, um, you know, some things started to change. It's kind of hard to explain, but I then said, all right, look, I've got this opportunity. I'm going to go play. And I decided to go to a, a school in um, South Dakota is where I ultimately went. And one of the reasons was 
it was only like a five to six hour drive for my parents to come. And they were, they were like heavily involved in coming to watch. And I was like, you know, I could go and, you know, I had different recruiting offers to go like to the East coast some places. And, um, Alaska was like, they host the great Alaskan shoot. I think yeah, as they call it, but like do, you would get to play against Duke and you know, some of yeah. those bigger schools. But I was like, you know, if I go to Alaska, my parents are never going to watch me play other than when I get to play on TV, you know? So I was like, that's not great. So it was kind of one of these things where I was like, all right, I can go to this smaller school and play a lot more and be like one of the main guys that's playing all the time. Or you could go to a big, big program and maybe be fighting for some playing time and whatever. Um, and at that point I had got more into training and I kind of, the direction of my life was going more towards strength because ultimately I wanted to be a strength coach. That's really where I wanted to go. So I was like, okay, this school had a really good program that I liked the professors and whatever. So I was like, okay, everything's just kind of leading down this path. So I decided to go there and, um, you know, when I got done playing, I had some offers to try out to like go play overseas and that type of thing. But it, it just wasn't really my love for the game of basketball had kind of changed. And, and there's no other way to really say that. We then. all go through that. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of, it just kind of changed a little bit. And I was like, you know, I, I, I am wanting to work harder, but I would go in the off season. I would go in the gym and put on, you know, whatever, 15, 20 pounds. And then the season would come and I'd be like, man, I just worked so hard to get all this on. And now the coach would get pissed because I would come back and I'd be 20 pounds overweight for what he wanted me to be, you know, but uh, I was still in a position where I'd have to go through the season and I would, I would end up losing weight. And it really pissed me off to be fair. Cause I was like, all right, I want to be stronger. I, I'm really addicted to the training. So I started to love lifting weights more than playing basketball. Like as I got done, at least toward the end of my college career. So, and that, that kind of, you know, it just kind of naturally opened up the direction that I wanted to go with things. Did so. you, did you start competing in strongman right out of college then? No, I didn't. So I, I started just training to get stronger cause I loved it. So I went down the path of, um, and this will kind of lead to how I met Jay for the first time, but, uh, I, I went down the path of like, okay, I got to open these doors to be in the strength and conditioning world. Cause that's a competitive field. Cause there's only so many schools and only so many positions. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go do my internship and, and whatever. Um, and it was at the Colorado athletic club. And that was kind of like, all right, it's a cool opportunity downtown. Um, I get to learn some stuff in, in the training world at least. And then hopefully I'll be able to open the door to go into strength and conditioning, which ultimately I was, I was able to do that. But at the Colorado, Colorado athletic club is where I met Jay for the first time. I know you've told me the story. Yes. Do you remember what heard so listen, in, I know in athletics, they teach you more about strength than repetitions. And I always, yep. you know, I always fought with people about, because listen, you can build a lot of size with one, two, three reps, right? Mm -hmm. But ideally as a bodybuilder, wear eight to 12 repetitions and it's just more like faster rep speed, like, and, uh, you know, we just, we take less rest time, you know, it's 45 to 60 seconds between each set where sometimes, you know, when you're trying to power train, it's a lot different. So, you know, that's always the transition. So it seems like, you know, from the get go, you were taught this is for strength, right? So explosive. And that's kind of what you, what yeah. led you into more like your kind of training, right? I was, I was learning. I was constantly learning. So, but did you watch our stuff? Did yes. you watch bodybuilding stuff and yep. say, did you notice the difference on like, wow, that guy does 12 reps or I, I mean, of course you, you naturally 
get introduced to it. And because I was following mm-hmm. you and these guys that were, you know, and you were doing the more reps, I kind of naturally started doing that too, you know, and of course you had kind of the, you know, whatever it was, power cleans or more explosive mm-hmm. type training that were related to the game of basketball. I always liked doing the reps because I wanted to get bigger. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do more hypertrophy work because uh, I like I like being bigger, right? It's yeah. maybe not going to necessarily help me directly with basketball, but but I was still doing the squatting and, and power cleans and, you know, stuff like that that was hopefully going to help me be more athletic. But my accessory work, I would do more reps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started, I think, over time to notice more of a difference. Uh, but even now, I, I like my... I like to throw in more volume with my accessory work. So like, you know, I'm may not be doing deadlift for the higher reps unless I have to train for that. I do more lower reps and then, and then do the accessory. You have work. so many unorthodox exercises that you do. And I, I want to get yeah. into that because yeah. he, when he went up and watched you train and he told me like, you should see that you know, this is the <laughs> makeshift things. And, you know, and obviously yeah. you have changing events all the time you yeah. know, that we'll yeah. talk about, but so we met. We met. We met. So you you walked in. You walked in, right? And the girl at the front desk charged you to go in, right? And I, I saw you walk in, and and, uh, and I went to her, and I was like, do you realize who that is, right? And she's like, no. And I, I was like, I was so floored that more people there didn't know who you were. Yeah, yeah. I must have been in town for guest posing or something. Something. Yeah, yeah. something. So what you walked. Was it was... So that would have been 2004, probably 2004. Cause so like, I already won some Arnold's and I had won. The yeah. Ideas so you're, I mean, you're like pretty established. Yeah. Like I, I was like, Oh wow, this is cool, yeah. man. So you're walking in and I'm just like, I went in and basically I got mad at her for charging you to walk in. <laughs> I was not, I was not pleased. And granted I'm the, I'm like the lower guy on the totem pole here, but I was like, you realize what you've done? Like, and so I went over and I, I apologized to you. So was I was like, I nice hey, hey. yeah, you were really nice. You're yeah. riding, you were riding a bike. Um, and I remember I was like, I was looking at your arms and your bicep was like ridiculous. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this is, this is great. But I got to go say sorry. Cause like, I, I feel like it was such an insult. Like at that point <laughs> that you got charged at the front door. And so I was just like, I walked over and I was, I'm sure I didn't say much, but I was like, Hey Jay, she didn't realize who you were like, I'm really sorry about that. And you're like, Oh, it's fine. You know, like, you know, you're real calm and whatever, like, it's not a big deal. It was good. It was 10 bucks probably, you know? Yeah. I'm sure down there was probably 15 or 20, but it was, it was just one of those things where it was like, it was a cool kind of surreal moment. Cause I had of course been following all your stuff. And so you walk in and I was, um, you know, whatever, of course, watching you train and like trying to think, follow your every move i'm sure whatever but you were you were super super nice to me and i was a nobody then you know so it's kind of like one of those things and then that just kind of like what matt brought up there um you know just kind of like carried on where i'm saying that i learned stuff for you from you because we would go then once i started getting into um you know some of the contests and going to different places we would be in a different airport like in iceland or somewhere and you'd walk over and you'd say hey man how's it going whatever and i'm like that's Jay Cutler. And he's coming over and saying that to me, like, you didn't have to do that. You know, like you definitely didn't have to do that. So I had a, a, um, a, a sense of just like, wow. Right. Like, it's like, this dude is like accomplished. He could easily say, don't talk to me or leave me alone or whatever. And, um, just different experiences like that with you. I, I, and I've had other ones too, 
But I told myself at that point, it's like, all right, if I ever get to be somebody that people want to say hi to or whatever, I'm going to make the time of day for any person. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter who they are or what they're about or whatever. Like if you're willing to stop and say hi, then I'm, I'm going to give you. That's, I mean, same. It's, it's important for people at your guys level to do that because, and we, we talked about this on a podcast in the past, when someone comes up to you, you have no idea what's going on in their life. Totally. You don't know if they drove, you know how many times we've gone places or even times I've been with you and someone's like, I drove 15 hours to be here. Like you don't know what that person did and all they want is that tiny little moment sure. that they can cherish. And if you're an asshole to them, they will hate you for the rest of your life. And they don't know what you went on. So you guys yeah. have both always, hey man, no matter how bad your day is, no matter how tired you are, like when you did the last World Strongest Man, you stood there for seven or eight hours and saw yep. every single person and every one of those people left there and went, dude, Brian Shaw's my hero. Yeah. But it's that, it, like you said, it's that brief, the way I look at it, it's, and, and I'm sure Jay is the same, but it's like, you only get that brief moment with each person and then they're going to remember that interaction yeah. forever. So it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day or you're tired or you're hungry or thirst, whatever. It's like, you just get that moment. And like you said, it's, you realize like, Hey, this person has dedicated time out of their life and their day and whatever yeah. to come say hi. And it's, um, you don't know how you've maybe affected them yeah. or helped them or whatever. And it's a lot of, uh, positivity that you get to spread with people, which is, I mean, how cool is that? It's like, yeah. you know, just through what I've got to do or what Jay's got to do. It's like, you get to affect people. You don't even realize. Yeah. Like quite literally don't even realize and when, when I go to appearances with either one of you, I'm usually, I usually stand towards the front and I help get people through the line and I hear stories for, from everybody and the stories I've heard over the last decade, just endless stories or, Hey man, uh, you know, I almost killed myself or something and, and I watched their stuff and they motivated me or, or I was 400 pounds and now I'm 200 pounds because of this guy or Jay or because of you. And mm -hmm. so I hear all these stories and it's like, this is real. This is real life. And people, a lot of people in that position don't realize that you are a role model to people and you do affect people. You may not know, you may not hear it every day, but there's people that watch you that lean on you to get through life. Sure. You don't ask for it, but it just comes with the territory. Yeah. It kind of floored me because he told me, you know, you know, last world's strongest man was in California. They had the restrictions and whatever. Yep. And you were disappointed because you're like, I can't meet anybody. I need to set this up. 100%. That is crazy. Yep. Yeah, no, he. I remember him messaging me, and he was like, look, there's not going to be fans. I want to be able to see fans, so what can we do? Yeah. And now, obviously, all of us are with Trifecta. And how long did you do the meet and greet for that last time? We got there at, like, 4 o'clock, and I think Finished we left it. at 1130, almost midnight. Yeah. And you stood there the whole time? The whole, the whole time. time. Yep. The whole time. Yeah, and I told people before, and they ended and up. And you competed now for Four yeah. days or whatever yes. prior, yeah. right? I was shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was shot, man. It, I, but, you know, he put it out there. He said, yeah. hey, I'm going to come here. I'm going to see every last fan. And I got there a little bit before. Yep. And I remembered pulling up and I'm like, holy shit, the line's like a quarter mile long. I'm yeah. not exaggerating. It was, it was, it like it was a, long. Yeah. Yeah. Did and, you ever look and say, oh my goodness, <laughs> how am I, I ever going to get through this? I I think at the beginning when we walked out, I was like, wow, this is a turnout, man. Like yeah. this is... This but you expected cool. it, right? Yeah. I mean, but the cool I'm, part about it, it was on a Monday, a random Monday night. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. like it was Saturday. It could have right, been. It could have been. We finished on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah it could have so been. It was the next day. If yeah. that was Saturday, it would have been 10 times that. Yeah. yeah. Like you couldn't have got So through. there are kids and parents. Oh, my God. It was. People were. I mean, it's just, it's kind of overwhelming to yeah, be fair. I don't it's, know. It's, I've been through it. Yeah. I, I mean, 
it's it's cool. Like Matt said, I mean, there was there was people there. What they said they had driven eight nine hours yeah. just to come for that because I put it out before, and then thankfully they let some people in to watch yeah. this year, which was great. But we put that out before, yeah, because I was like, look, if you can't come, I want you to I want you to have an opportunity to come meet me and say yeah. hi. What so so, we'll so set when, it up when Brian Brian reached out and he said I really want to do this. Fortunately for us, trifecta that's their backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. I reached out to the On team there, and, and they said, we got plenty of gyms, and they, they sorted whatever gym made the most sense for that many people, and they helped set it up for us, and Brian promoted it, and we promoted it, and... It was cool. That was, it was it was just a cool experience because all these people didn't get to see him, and they wanted to, and they, did, they announced that there weren't... People bought tickets, or they had tickets for way in advance, mm-hmm. so people were coming anyways, and they weren't going to be able to see you, but now they were. Yep. So it just... It worked out. It worked out really good, man. But it's, that's like, you have a, if you think, cause I, I know, you know, and it's, it's like, it's cool to talk to somebody that is in the same position yeah. that knows because I mean, you've, you've quite literally done that for years and years yeah, and years. Like years, yeah. you're traveling the world, you're doing these events, you're meeting people and you're having events like that where you walk out of there and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough but it's also like the best feeling in the world because you walk out and you're like, man, I'm exhausted. But like how many people just told me a positive story or like, and you take you, at least for me, That's like I walk yeah. away, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. It's like the best feeling in the world to have these people come and it's such a positive interaction and something positive you walk away with, even though you're exhausted. It's like you come back and it's like, well, I'm going to go work harder now because of all those people. You know what's crazy though, Brian, is that, you know, I'm removed now uh, eight years from competition, yeah. my last competition. And you aren't in this position yet, but after you remove yourself and you reflect for, it takes a few years and then you understand like people still come to you. They still like to have their stories and they're still motivated by you. That becomes like your, your trophies and your everything. Like you can see all these awards, right? Yep. All that means so much more to me now because I'm not trying to win titles anymore. You know, there's no more trophies to be had. Obviously I'm getting like lifetime achievements award, like at this Olympia and things, cool things like that. But now like that, you're listening to people reach goals. And this doesn't mean they're on a world's strongest man or anything, even that level they're just overcoming obstacles in life, right? So that really gives you a lot of motivation. But, you know, when you sit there for, you know, seven hours, right? You're going against, like, number one, you're on your feet. You're tired. You're missing meals, right? Because, yep. you know, you're not eating what you normally eat, which I want to get into because it's just <laughs> it, it's a lot. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, people are going to be blown away yeah. by what you eat, you know, and how your diet. I mean, you you at one point were... 400 and what? I think the top weight that I was at was like 460. It's probably yeah, around mean, there. Yeah, 450 to 460. And you're today about how much? Probably 415, 420. Okay, so this is lighter. Lighter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, someone hit me today and, and said, how big is Brian Shaw? I said, well, he's kind of small right now. <laughs> I said, he's only 400. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Cause I know, I know that 15 pounds might mean a lot. Hey, to it's, people. It's, no, you, but, yeah. But I, but I said, you know, he's a little smaller right now. He's 400. And the guy's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the perspective the perspective is very different it's very different i want to i wanted to talk about just like what jay was saying the food aspect because yeah. i remember i know what you eat mm. because i hear what your orders are from trifecta which <laughs> yeah. is you eat you eat about as much as three pro bodybuilders that's that crazy. are 300 pounds that's crazy yeah. the, the, the orders that you get yeah but i just remembered some of our conversations um, and i wanted to kind of touch on what you eat like now when you're in quotes smaller. Mm. Cause I remember at times you're like, Hey, I need to eat more white fish and this, this, this. Sure. Or the times when you needed to get as big as you yes, had I to. I want to hear the crazy stories. And the, and the, I remember you telling me like your coach is like, I have to go <laughs> eat this before bed every night. So oh, kind of yeah. touch on the different diets at different times and different sizes. Like you start, yeah. I mean, you listen, you're, you're migrating into this, right? You go up and up and up with the food. That's what I did. I mean, mm. I needed more protein, more carbs. I mean, I ate a thousand carbs a day. People thought I was bananas, you know, sure. because I was three, 300 pounds, five, nine. Yeah. And, you know, now I eat half as much. Right. And I still eat a decent amount of food for what I'm doing, but I can't imagine. I got to hear what you, what these, what you eat. Yeah. It's. Or eight. I mean, it's a lot. It's, it, it, that it's, it's a job. Well, just like you, it was a job, like quite literally eating as a job. Like you, you're basically married to it in a way. So if you leave the house, you have a cooler, you have your yeah. next meal planned you, or next meals. Just in, and, and a lot of times if I go out, I'll pack an extra meal too, just in case I get run long or like I'm not where I need to be, especially in contest prep. You know, now is like coming out here on this trip. It's not, it's nice because this is kind of like, I just, Downtime. I'm done for the year and you know, I get, I get you a little normal. bit of relax, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, which is great. But like when you're leading up, it's like, you can't miss because people don't understand. It's like, you can't make it up. Right. So like if you go a couple hours and then you, if you were to miss that meal, it's not like you can just add it to the next one. You can't get it in. So it's like, you have to be regimented with the diet, but you know, it's, it's uh, a lot of meat. I would How say. many meals like, a day? So normally, normally for me is like the top that I've really been up to is about seven, like six or seven. Yeah. But, but I would say by and large, it's kind of scaled back now for me where I can pretty comfortably get it in in five, um, but not less than five, five to six, maybe six would be like an extra shake or, you know, give, something a, give like an example that. of what like your typical breakfast. I, I hate macros, yeah. but I want to know like, okay, sure. this is what I eat. Like this many ounces or sure. pounds so like, or like a breakfast would be like, I've been having leading up, uh, to this last contest, I was having bison for breakfast. So like, that would be like, say eight ounces of bison. And then you would mix that with like between six and eight eggs on top of the bison and then you would like uh, training days i would get waffles which was kind of cool so i'd have like between four and six waffles and then i would also get fruit typically so that would be one meal and then i'm not blown away on, by that really not happy no i'm not blown away by that because <laughs> that's kind of oh, eight ounces and then like the, like the other meals typically i would have now granted this is a post cooking weight is the way the that we're weighing everything okay. so post cooking would be most of my portions are between like around 14 ounces, 12 to 14 ounces post cooking. So you'd be, what would that be? Well over a pound yeah, of like pound before pound. cooking. Um, and that's like a normal meal. So then you do that. Like how for, many carbs with that? Carbs would be um, significant. C carbs are high. Like rice, like, potatoes, yeah, or yeah. Like how much pasta. Rice would, or? rice would be like, like two, two cups. And then on top of that, we would normally throw... Um, sometimes, 
sometimes we put in like some spinach, sometimes we put in something like that, and then fruit too. So I'd have more fruit on I top of I could fuck that. with that. Yeah. Not too bad. I think I, you know what? I eat a lot of food, man. You know, but See what, this I is was what pre-cooked we'll... weight. So I eat 12 to 16 ounces pre-cooked. So, okay. yes, the protein's a little, but I mean, shit. I remember yeah. you telling me that your coach, when you was trying to get you as big as possible, yeah. you had to go eat fast food every night. Fast food was <laughs> one of, one of the meals. Like during and the what day. What was so it? So he had a cheat meal. So cheat, cheat, and this was every day. So it was like I would have to go and have, like, if I would go to like a burger place, you'd get like two, two double burgers and then um, fries and, and like I'd have a, like a large Coke or something on top of that. Oh, so that's what you eat every day. So, but that would be like part of the normal, part of the normal day. And there's, there's times where on the diet, I've had to have uh pizza, like a whole pizza every single night to finish the night. You had two pizzas when we were in uh, PA that long. Yes. You ordered two. Yep. And remember they never came, didn't they? Got didn't stiffed come. you. Didn't come. Yep. Yep. That was horrible. When, yeah, we were, when we were when we were there, we went out to eat, and I remember we ordered. I was like really hungry. He told me this, so I story. got like a twenty something ounce steak, and Brian's like, "I'm gonna get that one too." Oh, yeah. then he got potatoes. What, what did I, I? I was still hungry, so I yeah. got another. steak. At the yeah. end of all this, he had the salad, he had the appetizers, he had the steak, he had the potatoes, he had all this, and at the very, and then he got cheesecake, and he's like, "I'm still hungry." So he got the guy, another. The guy came back and, another, and he was like, "Can I give you a check?" And I was like, "Actually, we're gonna order." <laughs> Ordered another. He ordered another eight ounce steak, another potato. That was after an appearance, though. That was like I I didn't get to eat. But that was still like almost thirty ounces of meat. It was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So the bigger bigger meals, like the thing is, if if you were to do one meal, it's not you know it's a lot, but people could finish it. You know, but it's the consistency. This is the thing. So so most people be like, okay, I ate that. Now I'm not going to eat for. Yeah. Maybe five or six hours, and it's like, okay, two, two and a half hours later, I got to do that again. I ate every two hours. Yeah. That was and my you, thing. How many, how many meals were you I up to at the biggest? Anywhere from six to eight. Okay. I mean, I, I actually did 10 with shakes included. Wow. But See. I had, you know, like I mentioned, I tried to do 12 ounces of meat. I did like two cups of rice, 100 grams of carbs every meal. Um, and then around the training, like I would drink sugar and stuff like like a you know, carb drink or whatever yeah. that would allow me to get more calories around the training. So like my ideal meal after training would be 300 carbs. Okay. So I would take it cause you can digest carbohydrates a lot easier, right? Than, Big time. than proteins. Yep. Um, and you know, I would eat eggs like I'd have two whole eggs, but I have mostly egg whites. So I was eating 30 egg whites for breakfast a lot of times. And I was cracking See, those a, at the good, time. Yeah. That's, a I mean, the plate quantity. was, was this, yeah. you know, yeah. and, but it was the hardest thing I did. Like the training was easy for me. I say the, the same food, thing. Yep. Because sometimes, like we sit here and say, "Yeah, we eat every two hours," but we're not necessarily starving every two hours. No, no. And we sometimes it it took me sometimes an hour to eat my food. Yes. Like I would sit at the plate and just eat, you know, let it let it digest a little bit, eat, yep. and by the time I washed my dishes. And I cooked my meals fresh. I don't. I don't know. Yep. You know. Obviously, you have. You know, your meals pre cooked or whatever. A lot of them. But I'm sure you're still prepping the At other times, things around. I mean, them. before I worked with trifecta, I pretty much cooked everything. So yeah. I yeah. want to know your trifecta or like a trifecta order. Is it weekly? Yeah. He gets like four boxes. Damn, I get yeah. one. <laughs> one. One, bro. Really? I get one too. Yeah. <laughs> really? You get four boxes. Yeah. Because if I remember, it's like twenty something pounds of bison, like yeah. ten pounds of cod or something i probably eat in a month i would say like 100 pounds of bison so when yeah. you go yeah. out for a breakfast yeah 
if you want to go out for breakfast, you know, Carrie says, hey, let's go eat. Yeah. What do you do? If we were to go to breakfast, I would try to try to rub. Now, is it like I get a cheat yeah, breakfast? Whatever. Well, whatever. no, just like if you're like trap, like you're trying to stay on schedule. Yep. Like no one had number one has bison, right? You can't order bison a lot of places. Maybe in Colorado, you found your unique places. But yeah, here you are in Vegas. You sure. get up tomorrow morning and you guys like we're going to go eat and try to yeah. find <laughs> like what do you order on a breakfast menu? See, that's the thing. So if I went to a place, I would probably sub in. I would probably get like steak. Like okay. steak and eggs or whatever. But you, wouldn't would, you need a two pound steak or one, just a pot, like a. I would, so I would, steak? most of the time I would order at least two meals. Okay. So I would get like, if I was going to have steak, I'd probably order that plus another one, maybe plus extra eggs. That's. Well, you could so, order an eight ounce steak and then you'd have six eggs with it, right? Totally. Yep. So you could you can plug it in. I can't I mean, imagine how much some of his bills. I was were I was just getting, that was one of the things I was going to say before you had oh. trifecta. How much money did you spend per week on average? See, just I, I would food. I never I would, could track it, so we we yeah. make this up. But I, I spent a hundred grand a year on food. You think between so? eating out and cooking and because we eat out, I ate out a lot. You know, yes. it's like I didn't want to eating. Prep. If you eat out, your your the money goes up. Like crazy because yeah, yeah. I mean just think like that night when it was we got, 120 something bucks yeah. for just two of us. So eight. if I go out like a normal meal, if I'm getting steak or something, I mean it's even for me myself would be like close to a hundred dollars. Yeah, just for my because you can't just get and one that's steak, not even to going to like a a say nicer place. But if you're going out like that, I mean you'd and then if you're doing that eating out a lot, God, if you're, it's you and the wife and the boys, you're two fifty. Yeah, easy, easy. So I mean from a from a if I'm cooking at home, but I would say. Probably like in a in a heavier eating time, three to four grand probably. Like, wow. and that's that would be like because what I used to do would get um I would get like a uh, um buy like either half of a cow or a whole cow and I'd get it all, so I'd have it I'd have it in the freezer, and that was a cheaper way to do it yeah. rather than trying to get it all the time. So I'd get like the best beef that I could get or whatever, and then I would have it all. A lot of times I would have them grind it up, like even some of the steaks, because I like to eat ground, ground so you, up meat. You digest it better. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was just easier to cook and easier to digest. So they would think I was crazy because it was. So I remember, them. I think I remember seeing videos a long time ago. You go to Costco and it's like that, five, that 600 I, bucks for That a I did days. do too. Once, because uh, they, they had bison. Once I started wanting to eat bison more, they had the ground bison. Why do you, why you choose bison? I just I like I like, like it the better. Flavor? I like it better. It's healthier. Yeah. They say it's yeah. leaner. Yeah, they mm-hmm. say it's leaner. It's a little bit leaner, and I I just whatever. I just started to gravitate toward it. Yeah. You know, I, I liked it better. Um, not that I, now, not that I don't like like steak. You know, beef and what, or even ground beef. I it's not like I dislike that. It's just kind of you know, and I can. It's got less cholesterol in it too. Yeah. Normally, <laughs> normally with the way um, uh, Nathan Payton's a guy I work with for my diet, but normally I have a, a choice. So I can choose bison or I could choose beef or whatever. So I can rotate it up or if I'm going to have salmon or I'm going to have um, certain things for certain meals. So it keeps it interesting that way. So I like to get protein not only from just bison, but like in a day we might have three or four different protein choices or things that I'll do. So trifecta saves you a lot of money. Big time. Did you hear Big what time. he said, though? Yeah. He said... You know, I would just buy a cow at a time. <laughs> but that's smart. But you probably did the same thing. Your family no, back I, home. Listen, yeah. where I grew up, it's funny because, yeah. you know, we have these similarities. Yeah. People used to think I was nuts. I had a local butcher. I lived in Massachusetts and, you know, my my brother raises beef cattle anyway. But we had, 
we had a butcher and I literally would go and he'd have the cow hanging yep. and I'd say, I want this as hamburg, this is steaks. And I would, you know, have it lean down. That's amazing. And yeah. I would pack it in one pound squares yep. and I would put it in a freezer. I had a freezer in my garage dedicated for the beef. Yep. Then I would buy from the guy 140 pounds of chicken at a time. Okay. And I would have those in individual, you know, they'd be like uh, shrink wrapped, you know, and I would have that um, in another freezer. And every day I would take out, you know, two uh, beef bricks and I would take out two chicken. It was like four pounds of meat a day. There you go. Yeah. And that's how I prepped my day. And people that's thought amazing. I was nuts. I bought 30 dozen eggs at a time from a farm stand. So my whole refrigerator was full. It was a huge case of eggs and I'd ha I'd burn through eggs like crazy. Oh, totally. You know, I would yep. eat sometimes twice, three times. I mean, it was the diet I did mostly eggs, like five meals a day. I did 30 egg whites every meal. So, I mean, the food is just astronomical. and Big time. Well, you worked, so you worked on a farm growing up? No, my family, my family had a farm. Okay. My brother now migrated. He raises cattle. We have about 60 beef cows now. But we didn't have the cow. We only, we had this, a few animals then. We raised pigs. We you okay. know, had pork or whatever else. But, and we had big gardens. But my dad, later on, when I left and, you know, f went off and, was bodybuilding the West Coast, that's when he really started getting more animals. Okay. But we had horses and we had a couple of cows, but nothing major. Now my brother is a full-fledged farmer. You know, all gotcha. his vehicles are farm vehicles and and he, he basically hays all year round. So so did you have to do a lot of hay work? I did, I did a lot of chores. I See, mean, you talked about getting up early yeah. um, and the work ethic and the dedication. Mine came from my family forcing me to work on the family business. And so I got up before school, after school, uh, school vacations and weekends. I spent, you know, chopping wood, haying, doing all these, these things that made our family money. Totally. So here's, here's the question. So I, my uncle had a farm growing up, mm -hmm. right? And so I had to go out and I would, I would help him stack hay yeah. and do hay. The bales. Right? Yeah. So you're doing, yeah. I don't remember. And I used to get paid per bale. I, I would always count it up. And, and when it was hard, I was like, all right, I'm getting another, you know, quarter for this bale. So yeah, we're yeah. moving it. Right. So we'd hand stack it and then you'd go and then obviously put it on the truck and then take it back and then, um, and then make the, you know, the stack back, um, once oh, you got man. it out of the field. But that was, I hated it. Right. Like as I was doing it, cause it's so hard, it's so hard and so challenging, especially at a younger age. So I was, I was like 12 years old and I had to learn how to drive the truck and it was a big stick mm -hmm, stick yeah, shift yeah. so that, so that we could do that. And my brother, I have an older brother that's two years older than me. So it would be either he would drive and I would stack or, um, vice versa. Vice versa yeah. Right. But we would go out there and earn money together. And it was like, I'm so thankful for that. Like later on because of the work ethic, cause it was like, and I, I got later once my brother had graduated, I was in high school and I was, I would, ask my friends to come out there and they the guys I played basketball with whatever and I remember there was multiple guys that I would take out there to do it with me and they would quit halfway through the day they'd quit and they'd be like I'm done I'm not doing this I'm not going to help you finish and so I'd have to like figure out how to finish it myself or whatever but it's it's just a different level of hard work that most people can't cope I with. I hated my family because <laughs> I'm like why are all the other kids going to the swimming hole or you know going to this party at you know, three in the afternoon. I mean, I would work sun up to sundown, you know, so it's hard work. For, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we end up having a concrete business. So I had to do that also. And that was like, there was no, 
everyone took their school vacations, you know, April vacation or whatever, you know, Christmas week. They would go away with their families and come back tan, you know, whatever, after a week of being away. And I was like slugging forms and doing all the concrete stuff or working on the farm. So it's like, you're right. I had a lot of animosity towards my brothers and I have three older brothers that kind of, you know, brought, raised me pretty much because we have a 10 year uh, age gap. And I had that animosity and I was like, man, why do I have to do this? But you're right. It taught me. And that's why I was able to outwork everyone. And I think that's what is a huge driver to our success because listen, talent only goes so far. Yep. And yes, we're hard headed a little bit, I'm sure too. Right. I mean, we, we don't know when to stop, but we always have to we're outwork everyone. And that's what I, I consider myself, listen, I didn't have the best genetics and someone like you may view it and say, man, you know, you're four time Mr. Olympia, but I had to work my fucking ass off to do it. Right. Big time. Big time. It's, I'm thankful for that same thing. And I think that you had it a little bit different than me. It was like my, you know, my parents would kind of send me out there, whatever, but it was a way that I, I had to earn money mm-hmm. because it was, you know, Hey, if you want this pair of shoes or you want something, it's like, you're going to have to work for it. I had it. to buy all my own clothes for school and everything. Yeah, that's, and it's, it's like such a, at the time you hate it and, and going through it, it it's, it's tough, especially at that when you're younger, you don't quite yeah. understand it, but I've told, I've told my wife, I was like, if we can find, I don't know if my uncle will still be, he's still doing it now, but he's getting older and whatever. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like I, I told my wife or my boys, um, you know, cause we have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. It's like, if we can get a place where they could go work like that to it teach teaches, them, yeah. yeah, just to have them go out there and experience it where it's like, Hey, you have to put this hard work in and you're getting rewarded for it. But just learning that dedication and, and, Quitting is not an option. You get it done, yeah. you know, and it, it doesn't matter how much it sucks in the moment. You have to get it done. And it's kind of like I'm thankful for that. And then I had uh, um, like one coach in particular in college that my, my, my JUCO was very military minded. So there was different things where we had to go through that was kind of like, hey, we're going to we're going to figure out who's going to quit and who's going to do it. You know, so he, he, and we had walk-ons that would come on the team and he wanted to get them to quit. So we did some of that type of stuff. So it's like this mental preparation in a way, looking back that I feel like I had to go through that has only helped me. It laid the framework of, well, like you said, it's like, I've got these other guys. And I remember when I was younger um, and I don't know where this came from, but like playing basketball, I would stay outside and I had like, I'd, I'd set a goal for myself. Like I had to make whatever it was, 10 free throws in a row, right? And I'm younger. And it's like, I could not leave. I wouldn't go inside and go to bed until I could make 10 in a row. And if I got to nine and missed, I would go again, go again, go again, you know? But it was like, like I always felt like there was somebody somewhere that was, was working harder than me. And if I didn't put that work in, they were going to take the spot that I wanted, like to play in college or whatever, right? It was just kind of, and it's the same thing now, like as you get into competing now, it's like God. If I'm not putting this work in, yeah. We talked about it yesterday. The fear of losing. I always say it. I asked you him, know, say, and I'll ask you the same question: Were you driven more because you wanted to win, or were you driven more because you didn't want to lose? That's a that's a very good question. <laughs> it's it's yeah. there's a huge difference mm. between wanting to be the best and going. Nobody's going to beat me. I'm going to make sure I don't lose. I was scared, man. Yeah. I would say, I would say on that one, if I had to think about it, the, the satisfaction of winning is one thing. 
and and mentally go into that spot where you visualize yourself winning and being successful but going into a contest getting beat is also like you don't want that to happen no that's that's a very motivating thing as well like to, especially to, if you have been beat you don't want that feeling yeah again. yeah i think it's maybe it changed to answer that question maybe it changed for me a little bit from when i hadn't won to when i did right mm -hmm. so like it's different when you i was know, gonna I, say what, what was that like that the very first time you went into the world's strongest man and you won it so for me for me it was uh set the stage for us and where yeah. was this by the way where was, so so uh, I'm, to, I'm admiring the shirt you know how, why don't i have a shirt <laughs> like that i don't you are not given I'm going to, I'll have to, I'll get you one, man. I'll get you one. Um, and you guys, hey, I, I, there's so many similarities. You got four yeah. Mr. Olympias, four world's strongest man. So how many Arnold's great. did you win? Yeah, yeah but he's still How many Arnold's did you bro. win? Three. How many Arnold's did you win? Three. Yep. No way. Yeah. That's, that's nuts, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I told you, you guys are so similar and you didn't even yeah. realize it. <laughs> yeah. But so 2000, 2011 was the first one that I won. Okay. Uh, for me, 2000, that, that was, uh, um, Wingate uh, University, North Carolina. Okay. They held it uh, in 2011. But for me, 2010, 2010, I tied. So it's the only time in history World's Strongest Man ended in a tie ever, right? So it's like one of these things. And, and uh, in that contest, in the very first event of the contest, we had to do this loading race through water, which was horrible. And we had to carry these sandbags through this water. But like, if you've ever tried to run through water, <laughs> no it's a nightmare and trying to carry it was brutal brutal so just to train for that event like this is the hard work part of it like i found a golf course that i could go to and they had a pond and so i would take a loading <laughs> a loading platform out to their pond and i would drag the kegs but it was like probably 200 plus yards to get to the pond from where you had to park so i had to like drag all this stuff in there every week and then set up this platform that i'd run through the water like carrying the stuff to, so I was ready for it. I'll say I was ready for it. And so I went in and, and um, like with this race, I was, I got to the third bag and I'm going into the platform and your legs, everything's burning. And you're just like, all right, I got to finish. And I got there and, and because so much water had got in the bag and they filled it with rocks. So it was like a water, you, you know, yeah. um, water so it did, it didn't just stay in place like a normal sandbag would. So I threw it on the platform and all the water kind of shifted and the bag ended up falling off. Oh. So I had first place locked up. I would have won that event and I had to pick it up out of the water again and reload it. So I dropped to third place on that event, which cost me two points, which would have been my fifth title, you know, had I got it done, whatever. There's a lot of other spots in that contest that I could have earned a point or half a point or whatever. I'll look, believe me, I've looked at all of it, but <laughs> sure. yeah. you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like one of those things where I ended in the tie, ended up losing on a count back, which, you know, is a six it, that was in uh south africa it was like a 16 hour plane ride back to atlanta and i didn't sleep for a second like and i was just like you know um that kind of set the stage for me at that moment because i was look there's a lot of guys in history that have come this close to winning world's strongest man and they never got it done right so i was like i'm not going to be one of those guys yeah, it's like bodybuilding i was going to say <laughs> yeah. this is like you in yeah. one yeah. yeah so you were this close so that's yeah it's it's like you you i was like i'm i'm bound and determined um to set that so and this is where like my whole i say be great a lot and that's where that moment happened for me on that plane ride i was like all right brian what are you trying to do 
like ultimately what's your goal with this and you know with everything that you put all this hard work in you came that close you tied got second place like wh- where where is this going for me so I had that kind of epiphany or whatever and I was like you know I'm trying to be great. I'm trying to be great at strongman. I'm trying to be great at life. I'm trying to be great at all these things. So I went back and I got this piece of wood and I was training in this like, uh, at that time it was a grocery store. It was like a out of business grocery store that I was training in the storage room of. And I went back and wrote on this piece of wood, be just be great in all capital letters. And I put it up on the, on the wall. And that's where like my whole thing, you know, now it's kind of morphed into, you know, trying to show other people how they can be great in different things. But that was that moment. So that year, um, I just went back to work. And so in, in 2011, then people said at that point, I couldn't win the Arnold because I was just athletic and I wasn't strong enough and whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm bound to determine to show you right now what's going to happen. And so I went in and, and won the Arnold very comfortably in 2011 and then one world strongest man. I won every other contest um, in that year. Like it was just like came what was your back age and, then. So I would have been in uh, 2011. I guess it would have been about like 20, 28, 29, 29. 28, 29, 30. Like I don't think I was 30. I was maybe 28, 29. Yeah, somewhere in there. Very similar to yeah, similar. Yeah. So it just kind of set the stage, but it's like looking back. So then, when, you, when you went into that world's strongest man on day one, where you're like, I'm winning this. Mm-hmm. There's no way, nobody's going to beat me. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, is I got to um, a moment with that contest where I was in a good lead. And then uh, I came out, we did a log press for reps and it was me versus Drunas Zavikas, who's been my, he was kind of my, arch nemesis just like ronnie with jay right you're like it's just like you have this guy it's funny ronnie has eight olympias how many arnold's does judas have uh god i think he has eight i think he has eight (laughs) um yeah he he, uh so anyway it was this log press for reps and i'd been training it really hard and all the training that i had done went out the window and i really messed up badly i didn't breathe enough and i went out of the gate too quick and i had planned my rep pattern and i just got too excited and you know i was still you know learning these bigger moments in these competitions where it's like, all right, I have to stake to my plan. No and matter at that what moment, happens. he was a seasoned pro then big time, that point. big time. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, he came out of the gate and it was his best event. Like, so I was like, I was head to head with him and he kind of, maybe that threw me off too, but I came out and I just didn't breathe and I got dizzy and I was like, Oh man, this is not good. And so I had to gut out and I ended up giving up my lead at that point in, in 2011 and we were tied. So we were tied going into the stones which is the last event. So it was like, all right, this is, this is the moment, right? Like I've trained all this time. So then I just like d- destroyed the stones, you know, that, and that was, so that, that was how I won my first title. But it was, it's interesting when you look back the path of different things and, you know, like we're going, you know, whether it's childhood or different moments in the sport competing, you learn from and you take back and it motivates you in different ways to kind of say like, all right, this happened, I'm, I'm going to fix that. Or you, you go back and analyze a performance or analyze a prep or analyze whatever you could have done better, changed, done differently. And I'm sure it's the same thing for you. I mean, it's like you can probably look back in your career and say at certain moments, I should, this is a contest I think I should have won. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, you know, and I was way more confident at certain ones, but some just clicked bro. And it was just, I knew this was my time, but you know what? You know, I started the show and I said, you know, your your titles are bigger. And I meant 
because you had to overcome, like we talk about training and, you know, we, we talked about mindset, but it seems like they change the events constantly. Mm. So you have to adapt. You, you're in a, you're in a golf course pond. Then you're in an old grocery <laughs> store. Like for, tra- for training. Like yeah, dude, yeah, I had to yeah. go to a gym yeah. and I had to go, you know, I was in my element. Like it was yeah. from day one, I picked up weights I trained at Gold's Gym, and then I migrated to Gold's Gym in Vegas. Like, it was the same routine to get to the same goal. Sure. Where you constantly had to adapt because they just had to make the shit harder for you. Yeah. And you talk about athletes, being an athlete and being strong at the same time, but you also, it's technique. So you have yeah. to practice over and over and over. I mean, there there is a lot of practice and, and, you know, kind of at the time I got into Strongman, there was nowhere for me to train. Like in, in yeah, Colorado. So like, yeah, that was where, something I was going to touch on. He can't yeah. just go train at so, LA like, Fitness. So, okay, so you got into Strongman. Like, w- yeah. what, where'd you start? So I... Like, what gym? Basically, I, I so I had kind of went down the path of, of, you know, trying to get into being a strength coach. And I kind of decided it wasn't time for me to be a coach uh, yet. I wanted to still be an athlete and still pursue some things, you know, for me, basically. Um, so I had... Moved to Arizona, and I, I got to study under uh, Joe Ken was the head strength coach there at the time. Really smart guy, and I've kind of maintained our relationship like over the years, and I learned a lot. Very thankful for him because he kind of set the stage for me with training, and I learned some hard lessons under him about form and technique and like when not to push and, and when to pull back and all that. But um, So I had got back to Colorado, and I was like, God, I need, a, I need something to be competitive in. I need a competitive outlet. I have to because I'm just too competitive. So it's like, I'm loving this training for getting stronger and all that. But I, I was, that's when it just kind of was like, Hey, I've watched Strongman, I'm big. And then I started comparing my size to the guys that were competing. So I was like, well, this guy's I'm about that size. Maybe he's a little bit heavier, a little this or that. But I feel like I was like, all right, this seems fun for me. So I'm just going to go do it. So I entered a contest. I had only trained in a normal gym. I was training at a world gym. Uh, at that point. And I was like, Hey, let's just go, go, let's just go. Right. Like I don't have the equipment. I don't have anything. I'll just sign up and go. Cause it looks fun. And so I went to this contest and, and, um, ended up winning, which was awesome. Like without, you know, prepping for the events, yeah. but it just wasn't accessible, you know? So I basically had to, I had to find a way to get the equipment. And I, at that point I didn't have enough money to be like, Oh, I'm going to go buy it. So I was lucky enough to find this guy that uh, out of some scrap metal, he welded in his garage for me. So I was able to like just get my first kind of primitive equipment that was not You remember nice. the first piece you got? So first piece, he welded me a uh, a yoke and then uh, like a, a set of farmers. And we, we filled them with dirt to make them heavier uh, to start with. And then they were loadable too. But um, he welded those up and then and, and like a frame carry. And then I had to order a log. I saved up money to order like a, a metal log. How much log. was that? Probably, I don't know, 300 bucks, maybe something like that. But I just had to save. And it was, so then I just started doing that. So I saved and then I would invest and save and invest. And, you know, at that point it was a grind because I'm working full time, um, you know, as well. And I'd got into um, like some commercial HVAC stuff after being a strength coach where my brother was working in that. And I was like, all right. But again, you're up at five, start work at seven, work all day, climbing a ladder, whatever, get done with that. And then I would get back, I would eat, and then I'd go to the gym and train, mm-hmm. basically close the gym down, 
go back to sleep, try to prep my food. So I would go to work with a cooler every day and I had to eat the contents of that cooler. I had to. And, and at that point I couldn't afford the, the nice, like, you know, the bison and all yeah. that. So I was eating a lot of tuna. Um, if I could afford it, like maybe some chicken, uh, different like concoctions that I would build. You can always find you know. a way. Yeah. You always can. It's might not be the best way, but well, you can that's, find a way. That's a, that's a good point. And that's the thing is like a lot of people. And I, I, I'll talk to people too, that are coming up because they might look at where I'm at now. And it's like, okay, we talk about all this bison or like you have the money that you can spend. Well, Hey, that didn't start like that. No. You know, like you, you got to figure out your path and you it, earned, it you wasn't earned your way to that. It wasn't handed, right? Like it wasn't like I had an unlimited amount of money. Yeah. Earn, yeah. Earn not given, which is very fitting. It's, but it's true. It's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have the equipment. I didn't have the resources, whatever, but I was like, all right. And then, then once uh, uh, I started getting a little more set up, I took over my parents' garage uh, and, and like quite literally broke their garage floor, um, like crushed it, but uh, lifting stones and stuff in there. But it was like, that's where I train. It was not insulated. It was not heated. So I would go out and I remember I'd have to scoop the driveway um, and throw down some salt and whatever so that I could do my carries outside in the middle of winter. You know, it's very primitive, very primitive. But it was like I was training by myself, but because it was in my head what I wanted to go and do, I could visualize it. And I was like, you know what? Like in between sets, I had a little space heater. I remember because the dumbbells or the bars would get so cold in the winter, I'd have to go over and warm my hands up and then I'd go do another set, you know, but it's like some people would think that's nuts. You know, like, what are you doing? And why would you, you go out there and have do, to do that? But I had a vision and a goal and where I wanted to go. Right. And it was just like, I'm going to make this happen. And some people thought I was crazy. And, and I had a lot of people tell me, I told them, look, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this strongman thing. And I had, you know, a lot of people say, hey, Brian, those guys are way bigger, way stronger. Like, you're not going to be able to, to compete with them. You're not going to be able to do it, you know. But it's it's kind of like if I would have listened to those people then, where would I have gotten versus, you know, creating your path? And it's, you know, as much as you're saying, okay, I got to go to a gym and I got to, like, just lift weights and I, I didn't have to make this crazy equipment or do whatever, that that in no way, shape, or form means that that's easy. No, I was broke. I was yeah. broke and, yeah. you know, I scrapped what I could. To, well, didn't you tell a story about like you had so much gas? Dude, I would run out of the, gas all the time. And, isn't that and, crazy? Uh, he still does. He's you know, broke. we had no, yeah, we <laughs> had no, with no cell phones. You know, I had to run to the pay phone and, and I uh, call my friends for gas and gas was 99 cents a gallon then. So, I mean, you could scrounge up two, two dollars and change. And I said, fuck it. I just need to get to the gym. Yes. But, but I, see, was clean, that's the, that's I was cleaning equipment at the gym for the membership because I couldn't afford it. I mean, I was working uh, security at, you know, a place. I was making five bucks an hour. My paychecks were 150 a, uh, a week, and I was working 40 hours. A it was crazy, yep. like, after taxes and everything. And it was like, but you didn't care because nope. you were going to the gym. And, and uh, you know, it's just, like I said, you know, you had a makeshift, and obviously it's still changing. You know, what yep. events you did this year – might be different next year totally right? yep and then you got it you got to figure out a way so i might have to go build something different or figure out a different way to train or, and this one they keep going up in the weight what's this what's like the, a circus dumbbell yeah, yeah it just gets heavier and heavier bro it's how much yeah. is it now the well the big the, the biggest one that that uh they've so they did a 300 at the arnold which yeah. uh that was back in 2016 I think 2016, I did that, that 300. And then they've actually gone up, um, and done a 320 now, 
which is i mean it's insane like just just crazy just but. think think about even at your at your peak even when you're doing shoulder presses no, i shoulder 300 I for both to, i did like i did harder stuff than most of bodybuilders so i would stand and do front presses standing yeah okay so i'm sure you've mm -hmm. and i mean i did up to 315 for reps which is which is awesome and yeah. but that Dude, one hand, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's a different. It's a I know different it's a technique. technique. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's Get a different it. technique. Yeah. So it's not like you're strict pressing. Yeah, it or, but you're you know, kind of yeah. momentum. It's a lot. It's a lot more of a, a total body. Yes. Um, getting the momentum going and it being explosive but and you throwing still up. have to hold that it's weight true. over your yeah, head. Yeah. With I mean, arm. it's heavy. It's heavy. It's and that scaled a lot. It scaled a lot even in the sport of strongman. I mean, God, you know, ten years ago. That was not. But you know no. what? This, you still have to go like this. Sure. And, and you have to put it on your shoulder. Get it it's up. a lot. Sure. You got to be yeah. strong as hell. To do and that. I watch yeah. you do it like it like it weighs 50 pounds. <laughs> you want to make it look like it weighs 50 I pounds. I remember yeah. the first time I saw him doing it. I think it was at the Arnold. And he did it with the right hand. And then he did it with the left hand. And yeah. nobody else I did that. I was one of the only. When it was 274, they brought that out. And I was. I you would still think I was the only guy that could do it with my right and my left. Yeah. But it was just. A, it, that, and that probably came from basketball too. Because you have to. Like you need to. I had to work really hard being right handed. I had to work really hard to be good with my left hand. Want to be balanced. Yeah. So I remember. You know. Just like a left handed layup. When I was first trying to do that. I had to do that again and again and yeah. again. And so. You know. Naturally coming to strongman. It's like. Well. How does it make sense to only be able to do it with my right hand? I've got another arm. Right. Like I can train harder to get good at with my left. But a lot of guys don't think that I way. I suck with my left arm. Yeah. Just, yeah. I suck. I just couldn't really. I was wasn't had didn't have the coordination in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm it, right handed, so yeah. And that's it's, it's come so natural and so, you know, things like that. But it's it's. I think it's you know going back to like, you make your path, yeah. and I think that that's a lot of like you know the position that you're in, like to me when I was getting in, it was like Jay Cutler was here, right? Like you're. It was just, but at that point I. You know, that's why I think I found it so fascinating, like your path and your journey and all that. It's like, hey, if I want to get on that level or I want to try to approach that level, I'm going to, I have to make it. I got to find a way. Yours, yeah. And it's not going to be handed to me. It's not going to be given to me. You know, it's like I wasn't coming from that. And I think now um, being in it for so many years, I think a lot of people out there are just like, well, okay, Brian Shaw was, he's just been there. Like they don't, they don't go back to that starting point and say like, where, where did it all start? And how did you have to grind to actually make this happen? And now for strongman, it's grown a lot. There are gyms that you can go to that have the equipment and a lot of gyms now, whether it's, you know, more of a functional training place or whatever, they'll at least have a log or maybe a tire to flip or something that you could work with. Whereas I really didn't have access to any of that. When I started, it was just like, Hey, this is kind of a new thing there aren't implements that I can go play with or train with or whatever. And then two, I didn't have anybody to necessarily learn from either. Right. So I would research guys. I would study video if I could find it, like, you know, whatever it was to go back and kind of do like a trial and error thing. And then I found out what would work for me. And then I would do it again and again and again. And then eventually I would get better, you know, but it wasn't, it was, um, you know, I think I think a lot of people out there it's important to learn like for me or for you it's it like you go through tough moments and tough times when you're chasing a dream mm -hmm. right and now it's great to be sitting here and talking about it and like how accomplished you are and how much you've done in your life and 
how many different people pay attention to what you do. But that if you wouldn't have gone through those hard moments at the beginning, it would have never got to this point. And I think that that's important for a lot of people out there that have a goal or a dream or something they are trying to be great at. It's not going to just be handed to you. You know, it's you're going to have to go out and work. And, and at times it's going to suck because, I mean, I remember the choices I had to make. And I'm sure you had to make the same ones. It's like I didn't have a personal life. My buddies would all be like, hey, we're going to go out or we're going to do this or that. Nope, I can't. I got to stay in and eat. I got to sleep because I got to get up and train, mm -hmm. right? But at that moment, in my mind, it was so clear because I was willing to make that sacrifice to get where I wanted to go. And I, you know, I would go back and do the same thing again. No days off. No. Yeah, we were gonna. Off. We were actually when we were starting our podcast. We were gonna we're, call it no days call, off. Call yeah, it yeah, that because yeah, yeah. there's no. You know, there's no. In you know, obviously, I'm not an athlete like you guys, but I don't ever take a day off. Sure. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's something that you have to do every day for work, no matter what. And, it, and it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when I'll hit people up and like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. I'll do it three or four days from now. And it's like, dude, don't, no, there's no days off. Yep. Like you work. Like you got to work. Well, that's that's the thing now. And it's like I'm it's fun being out here with Jay because I feel like I'm going to learn a lot just being here. And actually, I had a talk with you in uh, at Body Power in I want to say around 2012 because I had gone and, and done like some of my shirts and I saved up money to print like my first shirts I think they made me print 20, story we like 24 of them and it was a lot of money and it was like after I turned pro I just had this vision I was like hey I want to try to do some shirts like I feel like and I was like at this time I don't know who's going to want them or who's going to want to <laughs> wear them or whatever maybe I can give them to a few people but I was like I'm going to have a guy create this logo for me um, and now it's been 15 years. So that was 2006. I first did it, but I was like, you are doing all of your stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had a, it was honestly probably a 20 minute conversation or more. And you stood there, we had just eaten, um, food. And I asked you, cause I was trying to learn like about how can I get stuff out there? Like, and you kind of sat and explained about how you were doing all your merchandise and this and that. And, 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 uh, like, but you're always so helpful with me. And I was like, you guys are doing it. And I always thought, well, you guys are putting out the DVDs. You're putting out way more content than strongman mm -hmm. is like, nobody's doing that in strongman. And I think that there's an open door yeah, to do, do some of you this found stuff. that outlet, man. Yeah. Know? Now and you're now crushing it. but no, nobody was doing it. So I was trying to do YouTube stuff like way back, like 2008 around there. I was like filming a little video or whatever and trying to put it out. And some of that stuff, you know, it just. I, I kind of saw that the vision and then, you know, we've been able to escalate things a lot with that yeah. recently, but it was like, I started trying way before anybody was really trying to do it mm -hmm. for real, you know? Um, but I learned a lot about that. And now, you know, it's, it's so cool to see where things have kind of evolved from. Cause it was like just this little, you know, kind of corner bedroom, whatever that <laughs> I had in an apartment, you know, and or even actually took over kind of like the, uh, the living room area, you know, and I, I started sewing like some of my own stuff and I would modify my training gear. Cause yeah, I was, was like, something hey, I, wanted, I wanted to get in that with you. So yeah. Brian, you, you have all the accolades and you have all the title, every title that's possible. You have it, but you've transitioned into a business guy. You own a lot of stuff. You're one of the few kind of like Jay, where pretty much everything you have, you have your hands on is yours. Yeah. You don't have anyone to answer to. So I know one of the products you have is your evolution. Yeah. I never knew the whole history of that. And it's really fascinating. 
and you know talk about how that started and how why you made your own and and the whole process of the sewing. Hold on a second, you sew. So I, I, yes, yeah, yeah. I know. He told me this. I was like, what the fuck? I don't I was, know. I brought, I brought that up and both of you guys like, oh, I, I didn't get a comment. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So me at a sewing machine, I wanted to make uh, uh, protection for lifting the stones. So I wanted to make like a uh, leather that I could put on my arms to protect me. Um, because for whatever reason, my, uh, my skin gets really irritated with concrete. It's something in it that I'm maybe a little bit allergic oh, to. Oh, you'd or hate something. doing concrete on my family oh, business. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have been covered in, I would have had, I would you have done hives it. or some shit or it, it, it was, and I don't know, it only happened a few times. It could have just been like an irritation, but I was like, you know what? I, th- the main reason to be fair was that part of that. Um, and then part of the fact that uh, I didn't want to be sweaty for lifting the stones. I wanted yeah. to have a good surface that I could, you know, basically grab them and be confident in. So I, I was like, well, how is this going to happen? I don't really know anybody that sews. And I said, all right, I can get some leather. I found a place I could buy the big rolls of leather, like a whole hide um, at a time that I could cut up. And then I could get the Velcro that I was going to try to, you know, do this with. And uh, I needed a commercial sewing machine. So I was like, well, I'm going to teach myself how to sew. So I went down and bought a sewing machine and sat down at that thing and just experimented, watched some videos of like how you would do a pattern and like whatever and make the machine work. So you, you know, you could step on the the pedal on the bottom and then you could go backwards with this and whatever. So I just started practicing and then it was just a trial and error thing. So I would show up to uh, training and the guys that were training with me, I'd bring in like a, a new pair of the, a prototype of these sleeves and, and I would say, all right, let's try this. Cause I had to try different leathers to see how, you know, strong they were, how they would adhere to the stones or whatever. So I did this whole trial and error thing, but then through that, I start, started modifying my, um, the gear that I wore. So I, I kind of had these different ideas for how I could make it a little bit better, whatever. And so that's what I started doing. So for, you know, 10, God, probably 10 plus years, I modified like the belt that I was wearing. And I, I started to come up with these different ideas. And at that time I didn't really have the money to invest in doing my own thing, but I had all the ideas. And, and so I, um, you know, had shared these ideas with different people. And I was like, you know what, why am I, why am I trying to help out like other people? Why don't I, I need to just take the leap and do this yeah, myself. Yeah. Cause I have the ideas and and I was kind of starting to get, I don't want to say taken advantage of, but kind of right. Cause I was sharing these ideas and there was different people that were kind of running with them and I was starting to frustrate me. So at that point I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm just going to take the leap and say, I'm going to invest the money. I'm going to make it happen. And so at that point it was kind of taking all the modifications and stuff that I had done and turning it into evolution athletics, basically and so that's where that kind of was born from. And it took uh, like the belt, the support belt that we do. It's, it's the best. It's, so it it's is, not it's like a, my standard Jay Cutler weight belt. No, it's so it's, it's more of a, um, a supportive belt, but the sides you can, you can tighten up in a different way, okay. but it's, it's like, it's something that, that strong men have worn um, for a long time, but the ones that had been developed were not good. I, I love his yeah. thing. He just says it's just the best. Yeah, I remember well, yeah. Watch, me and him would me and him would yeah. chat about it, and he'd be like, "See that guy wearing that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. Those are yeah. my belts, and they bought them." Well, it says <laughs> so. I, like, I I know it's good, right? Yeah. I know it's good, and I I was very confident after prototyping it for so yeah. long, but wearing it, 
then you start to see other people wearing it. And especially when the top guys wear it, it's like, okay. Most of the guys cool. are strong. Yeah. yeah. Most yeah. of the top guys, you'd see yeah. his, the logo on them. Yeah. And that's, and it's not, you know, one of these things where they, they obviously have an option, you know, to wear something different if they want, but if they're going to put it on and be that confident with it, I was confident with it because I've, you know, I, like I said, I've modified my own for a decade. And this was, know, this so. was when someone was just throwing you a check to wear it. This is something that you made exactly that you yes. knew it was going to be yeah. the best. Yep. Yeah. I, I, and I went back and like, I, the thing is, is you can do, I guess the best way to say it is you can do things where they're okay, or you can do things where they're amazing. Right. And there's, you know, without going into that from a business side, it's just like, I don't, I will not accept anything that's not the best. So if it costs more, if it is harder to do whatever, like we're going to do it that way. Right. And that's just my mentality. Cause number one, I want to wear it for myself. Right. So if I want to wear it for myself, why would I not want the best possible? So I think I remember the, the when you made like your initial, you did a big order. I remember you saying something and you're like, you put a lot of money up, but you, I think if I remember, I think yeah. you like flipped it well, one, like, like a week or something. One, one, yeah. One, and Jay will probably attest yeah, yeah. to this. One thing I'm willing to do is bet on myself. Yeah. You know, the best like investment a, you'll ever make, especially yeah. when you sit here with the confidence, like I don't put out anything that I don't use yeah. that isn't necessary. And of course, isn't the best. Right. Yeah. Well, if people realized, and this is something I probably should talk about more, but if people realized the behind the scenes kind of nuts and bolts of how business works, it's like you can make choices that affect your bottom line, right? So it's like, you again, with stuff like that, you potentially could do it cheaper, sure, right? But is it going to last the same? No. Is it going to be the same quality? No, right? And I'm just not willing. I'm not willing to compromise that. So I would rather spend more do it better from the start. And it might, in, in a lot of ways, you know what? It might hurt me on the back end because they're going to last way longer mm -hmm. and they're going to be better, right? But that's just the way that I would approach it. And that's the way that I'll approach anything I do is it's good enough is just not good enough. It has to be perfect. It needs to be, it needs to be the best that it possibly can. And so, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of that. It's, it's, it was a labor of love in a lot of ways, like, you know, getting that done. And it's it's neat to see it being worn by so many people now, and people and wear get my belts, and I love seeing my shit out there. Totally, man. totally. It's just it's it's neat, and again, it's it's like so cool to sit here and and you know because I've seen all of it and and like how you've got out there, and it's I've learned a lot, and so the amount of respect that I have for you is huge due to all of these different things. But like I've been watching since kind of like you were coming up, like and and really establishing yourself in different ways. And then the first Olympia that I went to, you know, it's like you're up on stage and it's like, wow, I got to see this guy in the Colorado athletic club. And now you're standing on stage and you know, it's one of these battles with you, you and Ronnie. And it's like, man, you know, it, it was fun, man. It's, it's just, it's been a fun kind of evolution, if you will, of, of different things. So and now when, when evolution started, did you have the new home gym yet? So that, I was going to touch on that because, you know, you trained in your parents' garage for a long time. You broke yeah. the floor there. Yeah, you oh, broke yeah. the floor. But you've you've hit a certain level of success to where you could actually put your own custom gym in your yard. Which, which very people, few people, people have. only yeah. see this shit. This yes. is, you know, yeah. we talk about the struggles, and I'm really glad you touched that because they yeah. only see the success, which, yes. you know, they see all they mine, They see right? the now. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. they, they see the spotlight. But, but I want to hear I want to hear about the new. Uh, no, talk like, about the, the gym that you have now. And then you have the upstairs where you have all that. Totally. We can touch on what's coming down the road. Too. Yeah. So basically, 
evolution was kind of getting started at that point. So we had to, uh, just based on Shaw strength, mainly like our, our merchandise we have with, with Shaw strength that we were expanding. So it kind of was a bedroom and then it was a little bit bigger office. And then, then we needed more space. So we, we got our new place and then we were able to build like a bigger outbuilding, um, garage, whatever you want to call it. It's more than an outbuilding more. Cause it's like fully insulated and heat and air conditioning, whatever it's, it's great, uh, for that. But going into it, I, I think at that point it was kind of evolution athletics was kind of starting with that. And I knew that I needed the room based on the orders that we would have to put in to make it work. So that's where that kind of started. Then the gym, I've always kind of had my own gym since I was in my parents' place, but it went from there to, like I said, that grocery store that was closed down where I got to use their storeroom. Uh, and then I ended up doing a, um, a commercial with uh, hefty bags back after, um, that was like after I'd won world strongest man, like 2012. Right. And so the money that I got from that commercial, I invested into uh, storage condos back then. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to need this and it'll be a great place. Number one for my gym. But then down the road, I, you know, I'm, I'm always like trying to look forward and whatever. So I was like, I'm going to need a place for storage with something I'm going to do. So it'll be a great investment to buy these places to have my gym number one. And then, you know, down the road, whether I rent it or do whatever, but I took the money mainly from that commercial and was able to buy into those, uh, at that time. And that's where the gym was. And then it was at, um, we got a, a place that had a bigger garage. So it moved over there and then it moved back to the storage condos while this place was being built. So it's moved five or six times, which moving a gym is not easy. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of weights and a lot of stuff to move around, but, uh, but now you have like a, a, a full fledged, like gym gym. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great, man. And now, now we're at a point where we've outgrown that that space and that um, wasn't even built that long ago no no it, it was not we, we finished that uh we finished that at the beginning of 2020 and i told carrie i told my wife i was like look my goal is i know we just finished this and it's great but my goal is that i want to outgrow that in a year or close to it <laughs> could you imagine right just- it, it cost a lot of money. Could you imagine yeah. building something knowing I'm going to outgrow it in a year and I just spent all this money? Just a goal. It's like, I like to set the goals, man. And, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so that's, um, that's been that. And then uh, now uh, we're, we're uh, starting undefined nutrition, which is our nutrition brand. And we're going to, we're going to have that in house as well. So that's where now we need the space uh, to go. So, so now you have your current spot, but you are, you're already, developing another spot well i had to move out i had to move out some of the equipment uh from one side of the gym now because we had to get a shipment in there so it's it's kind of like okay i need more i wanted more room to be fair i wanted more room for the gym anyway yeah. so now we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move um uh to a new place which will be it's a great opportunity it's kind of it's tough man because I, I i like the house that we're at and whatever but it's just kind of a natural growth thing and i really um am passionate about trying to keep everything in house you know at, at least i like to be able to touch things and and interact and i i feel like it kind of goes with like you know if if somebody wants me to sign something or do whatever like i really try to do that stuff and you know um interact with them that way so that's just a goal to have it i don't know that we're ever gonna always be able to keep it there it depends on how much it grows of course um but i'm excited man i get excited about a lot of this stuff but it's it's kind of transitioning if you will like you're you're transitioning from you know competing and 
I'm still competing now, you know, but, but let's be fair. I mean, father time's undefeated. It's not like I'm going to be able to compete forever, you know, and, and, uh, I don't, it, it's, it's cool because I don't have to compete now. I definitely don't have to, but I'm doing it for fun. You know, I really am having fun with it and I still like that competitive outlet and I'll just transition much like you've done, like mm -hmm. just transition that competitiveness into business, business yeah. and different opportunities and, and, you know, things that, things that I'm excited about, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I would love to do. So I want to know the difficult things about being Brian Shaw. This is a <laughs> tough question yeah. because I know the difficult things I had to endure. We kind of laughed about, you know, I know there's something coming up, you know, on your YouTube that you've kind of yes. out here doing, yeah. but um, what do you think has been the biggest obstacle? Like being, I would, are. I would say probably. I mean, listen, you're, you're famous, you know, you're, you're driven and you're bigger than the average person. So you're bigger than the average large person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would, gosh, there's a lot of difficult things. I don't think people realize, and I think you would realize more. So, it, you know, if you're clothing wise, and I'm sure when you were, on stage competing man it's like i can only imagine what like size is that shirt 5x yeah See, i only wore four four but still <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a hip squeak you were yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so i mean it, it's 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 one of those things where like if you're going to get any nicer clothes you got to have custom clothes done because yeah. it just doesn't work um you know obviously shoes you know i'm like a si size 18 sometimes a 17 depending on the shoe j-mac like, you hear that and listen, yeah. he's got cement threes he just pulled out in the car, too. We, so I, 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 <laughs> each trip that I go on, I'll bring a different pair of Jordans with yeah, me. So. And so I was coming out here, and, and, and Jay walked out to meet me, and I was like, man, this is meant to and be. And I've never seen him on yeah. those shoes. I've never worn these probably. To, I've never seen him with them. That's yeah. amazing. That's a, see? Yeah. It's, it's too similar. <laughs> it's, it's just meant to be. But uh, I would say like stuff like that, obviously the eating is a challenge. Uh, just normal life fitting into you know, there's a lot of vehicles I can't drive, you know. You know, just, you know what's going through my head right now? There's an old video of you trying to get on a plane, and you couldn't fit, and he's the same way. There's video you can't get on a plane. Man, it's it's tough. So when, when like, you know, because I, I help Brian with his appearances, and every time I get on the phone with a promoter, the first thing I have to look at is, where is it? Because sometimes it'll be in the middle of nowhere, and I'll have to look it up, and I'm like, there's no first class that goes there. And it's not a bougie thing. He doesn't fit. Yeah. You know what's so, so we crazy? we can't get yeah. him there. Like, we've gone to these appearances. I don't know if you've experienced this, right? I was, like, booked every weekend going somewhere. And I'm like, yep. hey, we'll pick you up from the airport. Yeah. You know, and I say, listen, I'm 300 pounds, you know, yeah. and I'm bringing a bag and everything else. I mean, if they didn't show up with five buddies in the car, <laughs> you know, with no space for anything, they showed up with the smallest vehicle ever. And I'm sure. like. Makes no me, sense. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the funniest story yeah. that I remember with that. <laughs> totally true. Phil Heath and I went to France. Yeah. And we've, you're going internationally, so you got a lot of bags. Totally. We're going there for this appearance. And the guy picks us up in an A7 Audi, yeah. the hatchback. And I'm like, how are you going to get the bag? How the fuck do we <laughs> fit in this? And I remember sitting there and I'm like, are you serious? Like, we can't fit in there, but they had another vehicle. They put half of our bags, so we had to drive like an hour. Oh, my and, gosh. And in France, there's no speed limit, so the guy's going like 130. Wow. And we're sitting in the back like this with bags all over us, and I'm looking, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's like not we're, comfortable. We're going to yeah. die in this car because so, he's going through traffic. I know, but you can't rent a full-size car, can you? No. He has to get an SUV. Yeah. 
And that's the thing too. It's like I wanted one of the things that I was wanted to get was like a sports car. Like I was I was just as a kid, I was and I wasn't I just couldn't fit. Right. So it's like kind of a goal to have like, you tried oh, to get in anything that was like, hey, I, yeah, I'm sure you've been all over the world. So yeah. like what have you tried to sit in? Do people ever say, I mean, hey, I want you to sit in my car yeah, just to take a I've picture? I've tried like different supercars, you know, like like a Lamborghini. Do you remember or when a, you went out you went on that thing and they made you they, they made you deadlift the car? The YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and remember the, when you were? Tr- didn't you try to get in the car? Yes. The Camaro. I got in there, but my head—it was a convertible, and my head's like above <laughs> the freaking windshield. And so, you know. what about amusement parks? Would you take the kids? I can't. I can't. You can't fit in like the roll. No. The thing comes down. Nope. I can't even fit in that even now. It's no. hard. I don't know how. Some like I people... look at everyone else's, and mine's still up here, and theirs are like <laughs> it's a, tucked yeah. into their lap. No, that's definitely a no. Yeah, that's for sure. No, so there's a lot of stuff I can't. I just can't do. Um, I'm hoping we can work around it, like with the kids, like you said, like as they're yeah. growing up. You know, some of that I think will be a different challenge in some ways. Um, but yeah, I, I was really happy when I, I the, the truck that I got. Um, it was my. It's now it's my sports car, right? But it's yeah. like a just a Shelby. I hear F-150. about this from him. He yeah. talks about it all the time. Yeah, I love love that truck. But it's like something I can get in, and it's you know and you can go seven hundred. Hear that, J Mac. Shelby. Yeah. Are you? There you yeah, go. Your, your brother has, it's not a Shelby though, is it? Okay. Yeah. 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 But even, even when, when back to when I, when I talked to promoters, so sometimes promoters will call and I just had this conversation with some the other day and they're like, well, we want them to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And you have to remember, and I want to tell them, I'd say, you know, Brian's 400 pounds. He can't, he has to eat every couple hours. Yeah. He doesn't. He can't do this, this, this. And I said, and on top of that, if you eat this much a day, you got to sit on the toilet five times a day too. You have to budget. <laughs> you you yeah, actually we don't talk, say, about, we actually talk say, about that shit. I yeah. say that, you, but, you, but, but that's, that's real. Yeah. You have to budget this in. It's like if you eat 10,000 calories a day, you're going to take 10 shits a day too. So I'm like, you, know what's cra- you can't go for 16 yeah, yeah. hours. <laughs> I did a seminar one time, and I swear to God, the first question a kid asked, yeah. it was packed seminar. <laughs> And he says, how many times a day do you take a dump? Awesome. And I was Great like, way to start. what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> and I don't even know what to say because, you know, the parents are sitting there and, you know, you the kid's young getting into this. And, yeah, yeah. You know, they want to know these things. Yeah. But, 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 but if you think about it, though, it's real. you got to, you got to pay attention to this. No, it's, I mean, you have to, the thing is you got to plan all that out too. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's, it's, uh. It's just part of part of the you know I guess job if you yeah. want to call it yeah. that it's like it's it's you can't just go from this to this to this because you have to have the downtime to eat and a lot of people I think don't think about that right and like you said sometimes you were sitting there for forty five minutes to an hour eating a meal it's not like you can just sit down and consume and that amount minutes. of food yeah. and and sometimes especially if you're struggling a little bit to get it down you know I mean there's I don't know it, it at times when I was up I mean it's kind of funny but I would I would sometimes get up from the table and like literally have to get focused to finish my food yeah you know like it's like I got to get up and like walk pace back and forth and like almost look at the food like it's a weight or something like I got to get that down that's holding me back from mm-hmm. you know getting to where I want to go if I don't sit down and eat this I got to do it, you know, like it's, it, but people don't realize like, okay, sometimes that takes extra time or that, you know, um, it's, it's just part of 
and I think I, I mean maybe I'm missing some stuff, but it's it's like maybe I've dealt with it for so long that it's just You're like used to it. normal. You but know, the, but, but that but the average Joe doesn't see these unless you've been around yeah. you and you see it in the same. Well, thing. I can't go shopping right. Like people could go to a store and try on some clothes or something. Even sneakers, That's, like you yeah, wear. I can't wear, do that either. There's very few places yeah. that have. Who carries that? Yeah. I remember as a kid, I like we. I found out about like East Bay. Where East you from order. where I'm from in Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like I found out about that because you'd go to stores, and yeah. back then it wasn't like you could go online and just shop. It was like you'd go it's to a store catalog. and have to yeah. ask them, hey, do you have a big size of the shoe, whatever. And it was once I got past the size 15, it was like impossible. <laughs> like you just you just go and you'd maybe you'd find like one or two, but it was definitely not the shoe what that you wanted. What is Shaq's foot? I, I think like he's like 20, a 20. 20 oh, he is? Wow. 22, yeah. See, for me, so East Bay's from a small yeah. town in northern Wisconsin. And we used to always go to their outlet center because you could get shoes for God, 10, that 15 would be, bucks. I would have been I would have been. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that, you know, we would get it in the mail and be like, oh, cool. I didn't realize that people relied on them all over the country. I did. For, for sure. sure. I did. Because yeah. you could go on there and you could say, hey, I want these shoes. And you could call them or you could, yep. you could mail a check-in and you put your size and they would have it. Yeah. You know, so do so, you have a shoe plug or... Do you have shoe. a shoe plug, like someone that gets your shoes for you? I, no? I don't. I don't. We got to yeah. find them one. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love them, man. I like, like you said, probably like. Yeah, yeah. What, what's your favorite Jordan? A Jordan one is the high top Jordan ones. Is your number one? Yeah, that's what I wear mostly. I figured you'd say the eleven. Eleven, yeah, the so eleven are good. To you. That's his. It's his eleven. He liked the Converse. Yeah. You know, it's funny. See, I, th- I, I would say either, either, maybe the fours. Yeah, the fours for me are probably. See, I knew he was a huge Jordan sneaker fan when I saw Jordans on his sons. <laughs> they make sure they, they got, you know they got much, better sneakers than I do. How much you spent on those? Oh, my God. So we wanted to get, I wanted to get, what release was that? I've done it a couple times. Um, <laughs> I think it was, it might have been the 11s. It was 11s, I think. I remember uh, seeing the pictures of them. Yeah, <laughs> and I probably spent just on their little, and I mean, you're talking like a. Yeah, they're this big. Oh, I, I was like a hundred and. It was like 120 bucks or something <laughs> for those. And then you, the thing is they sell out so quick. Yeah. So we we're trying to get a pair for my wife, for me, and then for our boys. But you end up spending like a thousand bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous. And then, of course, they grow out of them so quick that it's like, okay, we got one picture. That was cool. You had to, you know. But So one other thing I wanted to actually touch on, too. One of the things that has helped made you more of a household name now is the strongest men in history. Yeah, which is everywhere we, you know, we went, we went and did an appearance not long ago in in Pennsylvania. It was at an Oktoberfest. This isn't a strongman. This isn't a bodybuilding. This is a bunch of people getting drunk, but they wanted him there because of that show. So talk about how that developed and your relationship with the different guys because we know you know Nick lives here in Vegas and yeah, and the different guys live in different parts of the world. So talk, how did that come about and how have you seen the difference in your life since that? So when that when that first started, I've done actually a couple different pilots for TV shows where they come out and film the pilot and then they pitch it to the network. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's different concepts and, and different things. And so initially I was like, oh, it's just another one of those because I'd done a couple and they haven't worked out. And so I was like, okay, I'm a little bit more standoffish yeah. in a way. But they set up a video call and kind of asked me some questions. And then they started talking about what the show might might be about. And I was like, okay, this is a concept I think that could work because you're talking about strength and history, replicating some of these feats of strength and us traveling there and almost having like a, 
a fact checking part of it where because some of these feats of strength you don't they're like some of them are just legendary or you don't even it. know if it really happened. it's almost it's almost yeah. like some of Folklore. the feats of strength in history are not well documented but yeah. they're talked about Folklore. so it's like it, it's yeah. almost like a fishing story where it's like hey the fish was this big and then it's this big and then it's this big so maybe it started with it was 200 pounds and then it was 500 pounds then it was 700 yeah. pounds you know, with whatever the guy was lifting. So we would go there and I was, I've always been fascinated by strength history anyway. Yeah. So I was like, man, this is like something that I could get into. And I did, at that point when they're talking to me, I didn't realize who was else they were talking to. So it was kind of like, Hey, here's the concept of the show. We're going to, you know, do our little zoom meeting, kind of figure out how interested you are and whatever. And so they ended up, uh, flying and we i think it was something we were probably texting or something you know messaging and kind of we were figuring out like who was involved and whatever and then they we ended up going up to um to canada to do the pilot so we filmed the pilot in the same way but we they did it where um we just went to um that was angus mccaskill so he's like a giant up there and they have a whole museum dedicated to him in this town up there and, and it was cool and we had a good time with it and so they pitched this show to them and the the um head of the network loved it because you know we involved some eating we involved the feats of strength and then we had kind of History, like yeah. a kind of like a side story where it's like hey why are we here what are we doing we're having fun and then each guy was kind of the lead if you will in in one of the shows and um so it was it just worked really well and the guys that uh um the you know director and producer uh that main guy had done duck dynasty so it was like kind of a, he had a good track record mm -hmm. of doing it so they yeah. they bought off and it was um you know something where uh we would go film but we would we were scheduled each day for 13 hours of filming Holy shit. and then you'd film well i feel like it was about five like five days of 13 hours to film one show that got cut down to like 45 minutes so i never got to see the cuts before they went on TV, but we filmed so much good stuff yeah. and I would get done and, and you know, uh, my wife would say, well, that was pretty good. And I would, I would be like, well, why didn't they put this in and that in? And we did this. It was amazing. And so tell, so yeah. that, that was one of the other things I want to ask you. Yeah. I know you've shared some of them. Tell us a couple of your favorite things that didn't make it that, <laughs> that were, whether they were inappropriate or whether they were just, just tell um, us the things. Yeah, they they <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot that, that because uh, you had a group that yeah. it's a group of characters. One of, there. So one of the funniest things, honestly, even the guys that were filming were literally on the floor, floor laughing. Was me and Robert Oberst, and we were in Scotland and we were doing a bagpipe lesson, right? So there's a certain amount of I'll try to describe, but it's like a certain amount of air pressure that you have to have and maintain for a bagpipe to do its thing, yeah. but you can't you can't blow too hard because it'll just, it won't work. Right. And so we're taking this lesson and, um, and the woman teaching us, I hope she wasn't mad <laughs> after the fact, but we're in there and I, I start kind of like with Oberst, I'm kind of like almost getting in one of these modes where I like, let's, let's make this a contest. Right. So I would go back and forth and then I would like high five the woman teaching us, but she was trying to be super serious and and we're just like taking it as like i almost was taking it like if i can blow harder and make this thing make this noise where it's not working that i'm winning right so it was like going back and forth and oberst then got into it and he was like egging it on you know back and forth and 
I'm I'm not describing it nearly as as good as it would have been on on film, but it was like we were going back and forth, and this woman, you know, because in all fairness, that's a, something that you have to. It's just very much a skill. Like yeah. you have to learn how to play a bagpipe, and when you hear them, and somebody does it well, it's like, oh my god, this yeah. is unbelievable but we're never going to learn in those i quickly no. realized that we were not going to get it down in a couple minutes but we're doing this lesson um you know it was kind of like they're trying to involve the culture it was it was really cool but we had a great time and just rolling laughing you know we whatever it was but there was you know some different stuff where normally the more crude stuff involved eddie of course um that was that wasn't was there, there was wasn't there the time he was naked in your room in one of them in the he, bathroom no that was oberst in him oh they, they uh we we played this off like they had got booked in the same hotel room <laughs> so they they filmed a scene where it was like i think it might have been oberst in the shower and eddie was on the toilet you know or something it was but i just i, I watched it and i just remember one time one of the guys lost and he had to drink out of someone's shoe it was oh so oberst it, that was gross that was, that was so, gross they yeah. had made a bet the loser had to drink water or something out of the other guy's yeah, shoe yeah, oh, oh that was honestly i'm glad i wasn't involved was there in was case. there any certain one that you did where like you were like holy shit i did this this is like i'm in history now I think probably there was there was a few of those moments, but I think uh, the Denny Stones in Scotland, just yeah. because I had heard about that so much, and it's such a famous feat of strength, like carrying those, yeah, yeah, um, like picking even picking him up, like lifting him off the ground is a huge thing, and they keep a book there, um, which you, they actually, if you do it, they put your name down in the book and when you did it and whatever. So they've got a history of these stones. And there's and, only so many people you even lifted them. Right? Yeah, and I don't handful. know. I don't know how many people have lifted them. But what they, what they did for us uh, was they put them up on the bridge, and they only do this so often, where you actually carry them on the bridge, where Donald Denny supposedly carried them all the way across this bridge. So that was what they had us do. But I didn't even know I was going to be doing it until I got there. So it was like, we're doing all these other things. And then they had us do this. And um, at the time I was able to break the world record and carrying them um, across there. It was, it was tough, really tough. Like, cause they're, one of them is um, like 400 and I want to say like 418 pounds. I should know exactly, but it's somewhere in that range. And the other one's like a hundred pounds lighter. So it's very off balanced on the side. But I would say that um, there was a few lifts that, uh, that we did on that, that were really memorable that I, I, I enjoyed, but I also enjoyed like the history. You got to go to Paul Anderson's childhood home. Yeah. And I found uh, in the basement, one of the things I was super pumped about is he had like some of the old uh, deep dish York plates in his basement. And this is just, like where he worked out. So it was like under his house and he dug it out. And then um, in order to lift, he had poured concrete into a safe and he would straddle it in a hole and he'd put a belt on, like a belt squat almost, and and like lift it out of the hole, because there was no weights and stuff, you know. So he had he had fabricated his own bars, and they were in there. I was like some of the stuff they didn't show. I was blown away by. Like he had done like almost like a primitive trap bar, um, and I I don't remember exactly how it was shaped, but it's something for him that he had had somebody weld up for him to lift. But those old plates, man, those were like. It was like the plates that he lifted on, and they were literally down in this like cellar under his house, and just stacked up. And I was like, "That is they crazy." Museum or something. Yeah, he had a set of like the old, really old uh, York round head uh, dumbbells, mm -hmm. and I had uh, gone in, and I was so disappointed because they were missing one of the hundreds. 
So they had the whole set of these dumbbells up to the hundreds and they were only at 100. And I was like, what happened to the hundred? And they were kind of like, oh, we don't know. Maybe somebody took off with it, whatever. And uh, I was so disappointed by that, right? Because it was like, that's like. Did you like try to buy it from them or anything? For your- I, I didn't. I really wanted to ask him about getting a set of the plates. Like the, that would have been cool. Just strength history, history, you know. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Uh, they have a boys home. He started a boys home uh-huh. uh, for like troubled, um, troubled boys, basically, that, like a youth home. And so I, I thought about asking if I could donate some money to that, if I could just like get a pair of those plates. I thought that would have been cool, but I, it was his family and I didn't mm-hmm. want to like, I didn't want to throw that out there without, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want you. it to be in bad taste. I'll reach you know? out for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I found out. So the cool part is his family didn't even know this. We went to his like memorabilia room and he had a table of different things. And on the table, one of the things that he used to do to try to raise money was he would do, um, you know, kind of like public events where he would speak and then also do like a feat of strength or something. And so he would do a pinky lift, right? So it ended up, and they were telling us like he had messed his pinky up so bad that he couldn't bend it anymore. Like as he got older, cause he had done this, but in the room there were these round weights, right? And they had a, like a little thing kind of uh, fixed to the top so he could do this pinky lift. And I picked it up and that's what it was. It was a dumbbell. So Paul Anderson had cut the dumbbell up to do this demonstration so that he could talk in front of kids and people. Um, so that, but they didn't realize that, but I picked it up and sure enough, it was that dumbbell he had cut up to do that. So he'd put one on each pinky and then kind of yeah. stand out. So that was like, a missing, that was the missing one. Wow. Like, but they didn't wow. realize he had done that. So it was, it was kind of cool. Like, I feel like I was able to help them discover like where that dumbbell <laughs> yeah, went, yeah. you know? Um, but that was cool. It was, it was a neat show. And it, what it did is that show reached a lot of people. Yes that would not have normally oh, yeah. tuned in to watch a strongman contest or whatever. And I, I thought it was also cool to honor the guys that we were able to do shows on because some of these guys were, there was no, no documentation really other than no you know, recognition. Maybe, yeah. So it's like, you're, you're bringing attention to them mm-hmm. for some of these things that they did that were really, really cool, you know, and there's, you know, there's stories that people tell about him, but I feel like that show was, uh, I actually watched it. I watched ever all the episodes cause it yeah. was, it was, I'm a history nerd yeah, and I watched it more the history of it. And you guys talked about every last person in detail, yep. what they did. Some of it seemed realistic and some you're going, eh, I don't know if they really did yeah. it. It's folklore, yep. but you guys actually try to do it. And some of the feats that you guys couldn't do, it's like. If these guys can't do it, there's no way this guy did this 200 years ago. And that's the interesting part. That's the interesting part is like figuring out was it real, was it not real, how hard was it, what's the what's the setting, you know, and, and then, you know, for some of these guys, how did they potentially train to do this or was it kind of like some of the guys were just hard workers and they had to do it for work. So they would, you know, there were hands-on manual labor people that they just did that. Like, you know, um, Peter Francisco was the, one of the ep- big episodes that, that I did, but he was part of like the, um, like George Washington, like called him the guy that like helped change the war yeah. and like all this stuff, which was cool. But he worked in like a blacksmith shop. Um, this is like a helper. Wasn't he a slave? He, he, he was, um, and then he got his freedom. He, he was, he, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but he was big. Like it was like, he was like six foot eight and, whatever, like, um, uh, what did they call him? The American giant, I want to say something like that, but he was, uh, just a big guy, but like just functional strength. And he, you know, the, the big feat of strength that he did was, um, he carried a cannon off of this battlefield 
And so that was a really fun one. Um, what, that that was, episode that where, out. and it was crazy. Like to, to think like in the moment, cause of course you got your adrenaline yeah. going and all that, but um, you know, this cannon, I was uh, out of all the guys they tried. I was, I was the only one that could pick it up and carry it like that, but it was, was it the same size cannon? So we brought in this guy that had these cannons and he had this whole collection and whatever to, to replicate that feat of strength. But uh, it was cool, man. Like it, it, the, the coolest thing was you got to connect with yeah. different people that would have never probably been in that, you know, area where they're going to watch a strongman contest. But it's like, hey, this is history mixed with strength. And you get to introduce strongman, if you will, to like a bigger audience. So that was really cool. I was super disappointed it only did one season. Um, there's, I know. I, I look forward to it. And I always thought to myself, because we would talk about it, and I'm like, damn, they left this out and this out and this out and this yeah. out. Like, you could have probably done a whole other season on shit they didn't even. Oh, well, it was it was all planned. It was all planned. Season number two was all planned and ready to rock. And they. I don't know, well, you got to find a way. You can be the executive producer. Let's bring out season two. Yeah. we. Well, I I think it it would it would definitely work. Oh, for sure. But it's, it's just like dedicating the time and resources and everything um to do it but uh they were planning it out i have my guesses on why it didn't go but who knows who knows it was sad because the ratings that we got were really good especially for a first season show it was uh really good so but the the connection i think with people and like you said it's like going to some of these different events and and um you know becoming more well known with other people but it wasn't yeah yeah but but you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think doing that, you connect with, uh, again, a broader audience. And and that's great. I mean, if you can bring it to different people and then, you know, it, it, it's just that big circle where it's like, okay, well, they, they see that and maybe they get motivated in a different way and then it's a positive thing for them potentially. Um, I just remember when we were flying out to Pennsylvania to go do this appearance and everyone's like, is there a bodybuilding show there? Is there a strongman show? I'm like, uh, Oktoberfest. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of there Germans were a lot drinking of, beer. There were a lot of people that walked up there and they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Why are you here in this small town in Pennsylvania for this? Like right, like right we, we, we get we get in there because it was like an hour. It was like an hour and some on drive yeah, from, yeah. from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we get in there and this guy walks up and he shakes hands like, I'm the mayor. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, mayor. <laughs> it was cool, but all the people were great, yeah. man. Yeah. They're just like such, you know, again, it's like that small town vibe people um, it was, it was cool, man. It's, it's cool meeting people like that because it's, again, yeah. it's like, and, and you, uh, you know this too. It's like yeah. you just different people from around the world. It, it's, it's you, you get a, uh, a sense of like different cultures and different, you know, backgrounds and, yeah. you know, it's, um, but everybody, everybody can come together universally and, and, uh, you know, be positive for a lot of reasons, um, yeah. in these type of settings. So it's, it's really good. Really yeah. Good. Speaking of a positivity. So. Uh, I'm going to touch a little bit uh, upon the uh, the Eddie Hall Hassorf, uh They're going to do a boxing match. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. So <laughs> you got to have an opinion. We oh, ha- we have to know what you think of this and and uh, what you I, think of it and who and who do you think could win and why? I mean, this thing's gained a lot of notoriety. I mean, God, it's, yes. it's gone into every. Joe circle. Rogan was talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I. Here's the thing: is is. I'll say this, like when it first got announced, I think a lot of people were like, okay, cool. Like what's going to happen, whatever. And now it's quite literally been what, like a year and a half or more where it's like been back and forth, back and forth. And I think, 
I think a lot of people are just like, okay, let's just do it, right? And I think even even for Eddie, like I talk to Eddie a lot more um, about it, and he hasn't put out a lot of stuff. Whereas Hofthor's done some like exhibition type of things, yeah. uh, you know, and and uh, from a competitive standpoint, like I I know Eddie mentally, and when he locks in on something, he locks in on it hard, yeah. and he'll do like almost anything that it takes to. You know whether it's you know recovery this at his house or whatever like and and he picked up on a lot of that from me he's told me because i had like a you know i had a cold tub and a hot tub and i had different recovery things that nobody else had and i was willing to invest a lot of money into those type of things that eddie was very much the same like all right i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna get better and so he has he showed some of it like publicly mm -hmm. on that side but as far as like the training, he hasn't put out a lot of training. And, you know, from the conversations that I've had with him, he's very confident. He's very, very confident. And Eddie actually did boxing as kind of like conditioning work and has dabbled in it for quite some time before this, all of this stuff started, which, you know, did that help lay a foundation? I don't know. Um, whereas Hawthor did not do any of that and he's kind of coming into it now, but I think he's taken it seriously as well. Yeah. He's just, he's just happens to have put more stuff out there. So I think that some people have seen that and they're like kind of bashing Eddie and saying, well, why aren't you doing exhibition fights and this type of thing? And I think he just doesn't want to show his cards because even if you do an exhibition fight, if you have a good coach or trainer, or whatever, they can break that down and say, Hey, what's your tendencies? How are you going to move? What, what's, what, how are you going to react to this? And so it gives a lot of information out yeah. to your opponent. And it's kind of the same thing. Like when, when I'm training for something, a lot of times I won't put out some you of my best it. stuff, yeah. right? Cause I want to hold that to, I want to hold that for me. Yeah. And then strategically from a mental standpoint, I might put it out when I want to put it out. Yeah. Right. But I may have done that a couple <laughs> months before. So I just don't want to give my cards away. And I think Eddie's might be doing that a little bit. Um, you know, speaking from that, I think it's kind of, you know, some of the stuff they've been putting out recently going back and forth yeah. about this and that. Dollars, like, grand. Yeah. I don't know about all that stuff, man. I just like, I would like to see it happen from a, you know, that it's standpoint. I, 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 I think I know what it is, but yeah. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say on camera. Yeah. yeah I think, um, and I probably know the same, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like one of these things where I think the true strongman fans, uh, some of them are on board with it, and I think some of them are not. So it's, it's you know? kind of a shit show to yeah, some people. Yeah. Whereas, like, for me, I my whole thing is like I got into strongman where I wanted to help promote and grow the sport and make it bigger and leave it better when I'm gone than than it started. And I think I've been on that track, and I'm still yeah. working towards that. But I'm very loyal to that. Whereas, like, some people, you know, whatever. Everybody can ha have their own opinion, certainly. But it's like I feel like they feel like these two guys are like came in, you know, they both won a world one world strongest man title. And then it was kind of like, okay, now we're going to turn into this and go in this direction. Okay. You know, so I think some strongman fans are on board with it. I think some are not. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be that way probably going into the fight. It's probably. like some people are going to be excited about it and some people are going to be like, okay, I'm tired of the circus. Like, I just want to be done with it. Yeah. But I would say, and I said this publicly too, like from talking with Eddie, where he's at mentally and what the way that he's talked to me, I feel like he feels like he has the upper hand and, you know, the stuff that he's been doing, you know, he, he will lock in on something and go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, uh, and Eddie... 
out of my personal interactions with these two guys, Eddie grew up in a rough area, right? And he has been in fights. And you can see like when you get into a confrontational moment with somebody, if they have kind of that like crazy switch where it's like, all right, I can see the look in your eye and we're in a heated moment. You're, you're ready to flip that switch and go. And Eddie has that. And my confrontations and things that I've had with Hofthor, I don't, I don't think he has it the same way. Right. So that's, you can tell Eddie's, he can get a little crazy if he needs big time, big time. He, he will go, he will go. And, and now Everybody reacts to being punched differently. Of course. So once you get in there, I don't <laughs> what know. Mike say, Tyson say, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's true. That's true. And that's the thing is you could have the best game plan in the world, but yep. I know that Eddie's has been hit and has hit before. And not that Hofthor has not with his training, but like that's my personal interaction, right? It's just with these two guys. That's all I can really say is, so you are know, trying to say you would rather not face Eddie if you had to. <laughs> From a competitive standpoint, I like that fire, man. I like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like looking at him and I, you know, we've got into little things, but you can tell that like if it escalated that Eddie would go to that next level. Yeah. I just, I think from that, the crazy standpoint, I think Eddie, I would give him the upper hand is what I would say. But, what do you think? I think, yeah, I think watching, seeing what I'm seeing, I think Eddie's, he seems a little more aggressive in my opinion, you know, just yeah. more edge to him. But that doesn't mean anything, you know. It's just, you know, I, I always wondered that what the, some of the other guys thought. I mean, it's just like when in our business, like people have opinions about different things. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. It's like, you know, you kind of build your legacy around it. And uh, I, I just, you know, I love the, the path that you took. And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on the, the uh, today being our first guest. And, uh, you know, it's been amazing to learn. I've learned a lot of things that I did not know. And, uh, you know, a lot of your background that, that maybe I didn't realize that makes you, you know, the, the champion you are. And, you know, we're just really excited. We were able to have you on. I, I appreciate it, man. And it's fun. It's fun to sit down and talk, uh, talk shop, if you will, you know, especially with somebody like you, because it's, you know, having that motivation and, and, um, you know, for me, like seeing you up there, you know, because really you are kind of, um, getting to that level when I was really starting to get interested in it and, and you know, pers- starting to pursue it. Mm-hmm in a lot of ways. And so it's, it's, uh, it's fun for me too, in that same, uh, regard to learn like your path and, you know, your childhood and, you know, how that kind of evolved. And like, I, I like a lot of those stories too, where it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. It was hard. And you, you know, you were able to kind of get through all of that, overcome every single challenge that came your way and then, then get to the level that you're at now. I mean, it, it's awesome. And, and I have an appreciation for that in a lot of different ways because I've, you know, been able to kind of walk that same path in the same way, but a different way. It's very similar. Yeah. It's very yeah. similar. Yeah. Which is, which is awesome. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be out here. I'm thankful you had me on and, yeah, and it's been, it's been awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And for me, it's, it's good. You know, I've known Jake half my life and, you know, I met Brian I've seen him throughout the years, mm-hmm. but it was, we didn't really interact until the American fitness expo. And we were sitting downstairs. It was the one time. You gave time me a ride, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. It was the same year we were waiting for Kai Green. Did, did you fit like, in the vehicle? or We had a Suburban. Oh, okay. You're it, was the, it was the year where I had to rent that Suburban. Oh, I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And then we were waiting. You're like, I'm not waiting for fucking Kai oh, Green. That's Get us the, over there. Yeah, that's the one when we did it in the, the wood. That uh, <laughs> was the Houston. second year. Yeah, yeah, in Houston, yeah. So I got everyone over, and I came back, and I go downstairs, and Brian's just sitting there. And he's just sitting downstairs, and I'm like, yo, like, 
you know, you, he's like, well, I'm waiting for Because he had like some shuttle. It was up. a shuttle. He's like, yeah, I'm waiting for the shuttle. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'll give you a ride. He's like, yeah, for real? Yeah. So we got over there. Didn't I get in and dump your yeah. gear? <laughs> so me, me, him, and David Bay's in the back seat, and we drive over, and I go to get something, and I have my diet soda there, and he fucking dumps it, <laughs> like an accident. It was and total it, accident. It was yeah, an accident, yeah. and it filled the whole center thing, and I'm it like, was bad. Yeah. he dumped my soda. So I picked the whole thing. I'm like, here, Brian, you want to drink my soda? And that was our first interaction. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> we just slowly, we stayed in contact since. That's awesome, man. Well, but, well, thanks for coming on, and it was- 100%, you know, guys. We haven't yeah. had anyone on, and you're our- I told Jay, I said, our first guest, needs, it needs to be big. So it's well, big physically, figuratively, and the fact that you two have, and I've told you this about Jay and Jay this about you, it's like you guys are so similar. And the first time, if you guys remember, I was going to have you guys together was at the Arnold two years ago. That's right. Yep. And you and him were going to do the four-time Mr. Olympia yeah. versus four-times World's Strongest Man. And Corona happened, yeah, and it shut it down. God, that's, I was looking forward to that too. Yeah, we'll we'll make it happen again. One, it's going to happen again, but it's yeah. going to happen on on uh, on our terms. This time. Totally, totally. So, thanks that again works. for coming on. Man. Appreciate both of you guys. Thank yeah, you. thank you.